What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Radiovania's DCEU in review. That's right. We're back here, back to where it all began. We're reviewing, going back through, and having a little bit of a retrospective on every DC expanded, extended? DC extended? Expended. It's extended. DC extended. (laughs) 11th episode, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a minute. In fact, it's been our first episode since the Black Adam podcast on November 1st of 2022. Yeah. Seems seems like it was a long time ago. That was four Black months Adam. ago. I know. So think Thanks. about that. <laughs> think about that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. You heard it right. Thank you guys for dropping by and listening. This is going to be a fun pod. Um, my name is Zach Rotello, at Zach Rotello on Twitter. Sitting across from me in the virtual space is the product placement, John Swan Song Parker. That's me. Taste the rainbow, bitch. <laughs> and uh, you can follow the show in many different ways. At Radiovania on Twitter, radiovaniashow at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Check out our other side pod we've been doing, Radio Vision, where John and I have been going back through and doing all of the episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. And then just go to radiovania.com to subscribe to the podcast feed, like, subscribe, and share. Perfect. And uh, curse you, David F. Sandberg, because I think you might have killed me. I am not drinking wine. I am instead drinking hot tea. Because oh, for no. some reason, my immune system is fucked. Oh, no. I think – hold the phone. I think I'm tired. This has been a fucking <laughs> terrible – this week has been shit. It's been long. I've gotten terrible sleep. And so today, I, I've been up since 7 in the morning, had to yeah. go into the office early. I've been oh, just – Oh, you went sleeping. into work too. Yeah, I went into the office. Super spreader. <laughs> sick. Uh, there's – what is COVID? It doesn't exist. Hashtag Alex Jones is right. Uh, oh, so you and Zachary <laughs> Levi agree on a couple of things, apparently. <laughs> More on that later. And uh, yeah, uh, but I think I'm just, I'm tired and I'm trying to, I'm like, I'm worried, like I'm going to get sick. So I'm like, I'm like no alcohol tonight. I'm yeah. going to get a nice, we're going to pod the shit out of this. I'm going to watch you get drunk as shit. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go to bed and get a nice relaxing sleep before tomorrow. I'm taking a half day. So beautiful. <laughs> I'm ready for the weekend. What and, a plan. Uh, yeah, it's going to be quite the plan. And uh, I was on call last weekend. So I was on call with work and uh, I thought what better to spend with my, so on call with how, where I work, you know, log on in the morning on Saturdays, log in the evening on Saturdays, do a little bit of catch up here and there. Right. Sunday after my uh, little evening stint there, wrapped up at around 5 p.m. Eastern. And uh, who should text me but John Swansong Parker says, get your shit together, go see Shazam. And let me tell you, I think that might have contributed to me feeling like dog shit this week. I'm sorry, um, but I'm not that sorry, honestly. I think oh, what I be- said was, are you going to see Shazam this weekend? And you said, I don't think I'm going to see it at all. It's getting really bad reviews. And I said... Have you forgotten that we have a podcast (laughs) called DCEU in Review? Man up and go see it. And I said, fair point. That's a fair argument. The Omicron. So sorry about that. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm just tired and fatigued. So you're going to get Loopy Zach Mm. on this podcast. You're going to get Loopy Zach and Drunk John. So it's going to be quite the dichotomy. Shit ton of cold medicine like right before. And then we just like see where where shit went. Maybe at the halfway point of the movie, like where the natural halfway point is, I'll pop a NyQuil and we'll just see Mm. how long I can can ride that train. I wish I could tell you when the midpoint of that movie is because i don't have a concept of time with this movie it felt like four hours and 30 minutes all at the same time 
could've, four hours of scenes happening. Could have been four hours. Could have been a half hour. Could have been a lifetime. I don't really know. It's <laughs> it's gonna be fun to yeah. talk about. <laughs> it is gonna be fun. But uh, all right, so let's let's not belabor the point, right? Shazam. We're here to talk about Shazam: Fury of the Gods, uh, released on March seventeenth, twenty twenty three. This is the third to last film in the DCEU. Um, w- this yeah. will be preceded, or yeah, this will be preceded by succeeded. only succeeded. Thank you, by mm-hmm. Aquaman two and the Flash, and then and it's Blue over. Beetle. And Bl- yeah, have they confirmed where Blue Beetle lies in the continuity? No, I'm hoping they let us know beforehand so we have to, so we have to know if we have to do a pod on it or not. But like, <laughs> definitely the Flash and Aquaman. I mean, those are Zack Snyder casted characters in that regime. So, but doesn't Blue Beetle happen come out after Flash? Correct. So if it comes out after Flash, it has to be the new DCU because that's the. But so does Aquaman. Reset. So does that mean that Aquaman uh, Two is in oh the shit, DCU? You're right. Because that comes out at Christmas. Oh God, it's so fucked. We're so. Can we fucked. talk about how this past Christmas was the way of water, and this upcoming Christmas is also the way of water? Yeah, it's oh, fuck. The way of water sequel. Sorry, <laughs> the way pissed. of water redub. Yes, yeah, Hollywood we, can't get enough of fucking water. F- fucking American audiences goddamn love water, and apparently so does foreign markets. So everyone just wants to see water yeah. movies. The way I see it is for this podcast series, DCU and review, we definitely have to do Flash, and we definitely have to do Aquaman because those were characters casted in the Zack Snyder era of the DCEU. Right. However, if before the movie we find out post-Flash that – Blue Beetle and Aquaman the Lost Kingdom are part of the new regime, then we don't have to do them for this pod. And the what Flash a, what is the last a, episode. So on that pod, we need to treat it like it could be the last. Uh, <laughs> what a what an just a, a flat erection it would be ending this whole thing on Blue Beetle. Not that I have faith, not that I'm not interested no, in Blue Beetle, but it's either we do Blue Beetle and Aquaman or neither. Does that make sense? Like we have to do Aquaman. It's Momoa. So then that'll be the last one we do. Oh, God. That's in December. Blue well, Beatles it's all like contingent. August. Yeah, God. Who knows, man? That's the It's all up in this. the air. Who knows? <laughs> it's all up in the air. There's been plenty of stories, and there's been plenty of Radiovania episodes where we've talked about this. So you can go back to the podcast feed and listen to our discussions. I think most notably, <laughs> most notably in January or February, we had a – we had a pod where we talked about the fallout of DC News when James Gunn like got appointed or something like that. Or maybe that was like fall of last year. Was it after Black Adam? No, remember January 30th, he dropped the template for the new chapter because he okay. said by the end of the month and he dropped it at the very end of the month. Okay, So we so talked go about back, it in early February. Go back and listen to that episode and maybe we said some coherent shit then. But It um, was essentially should, you asking me who the characters yeah, were that I, they announced and why I was excited. It was really – it was great. It's good fun. <laughs> I need to know why I need to be excited about these movies, and who better to ask than my friend Someone needs to tell me why I need to care. A Zach Rotella story. <laughs> i got that tattooed on my ass. Um, yeah. Shazam. Fury in the gods. Fury in the gods. <laughs> it's Ain't coming apart something. already. Um, yeah, released on March 17, 2023. Um, directed by David F. Sandberg, who directed the original Shazam. He's also famous for directing a lot of horror vignettes and shorts on YouTube. He also did The Conjuring, not the original Conjuring. Annabelle. Annabelle, thank you. He did the Annabelle movies. So, kind of got Conjuring's a background James in horror. James Wan, who is another DC director. So, yep. Both Warner D- Brother boys. 
DC just loves to scare us shitless. <laughs> so they hire all yeah. these fucking horror directors that scare the piss out of us. Yeah, because the director of It is Andy Muschietti, who's directing The Flash. So they're yeah. just like poaching Blumhouse. They're just like, <laughs> you get a DC movie and you get a DC movie. What if Ben Affleck is secretly Jason Blum and that's like a stage name? So sidebar He's been doing quick. it the whole time. I love this, by the way. But sidebar, on the Bill Simmons podcast, which I don't know if you listen to very much from the Ringer Podcast Network. He had an episode this past week where he talked to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck about the new Air movie. And he also talked to them and just about their career in general. Let me tell you, that is a really good podcast if you're looking to like, yeah, if you're looking to listen to those two guys talk about their careers and how like they've stayed friends the whole time and stuff. It's a really good story. But also highlight of the pod for me is Ben Affleck talking about how him and J-Lo are huge Yellowstone fans. And I was literally like, Nexus Point hit, and I was like, my head exploded. It was amazing. (laughs) And he masturbated furiously. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I'm happy for you. Thanks, man. What if Ben Affleck is the next, like, spinoff Yellowstone show? That's what I was going to say, is, like, what if the next Yellowstone spinoff is him and J-Lo running a ranch in, like, Pasadena or, like, fucking San Bernardino Valley or something like that? It's like I a think, California, uh, Californian like tilapia farm out in the desert or some shit. I think we'd have to pry you away from the sofa at that point. You just watch that show on loop until it's like uh, Clockwork Orange. Orange. I just like tape my eyes open. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Uh, directed by David F. Sandberg. Produced by Peter Safran. Uh, you know Peter Safran. He is one of the. He's, he's part of the dynamic duo with James Gunn taking over yep. the universe. Um, code, code code CEO of DC Films. The other thing I wanted to look up that I forgot to pull up is written by Henry Gaden and Chris Morgan. Do those names mean? They should. Anything? Chris Morgan should mean something to you. <laughs> Chris Morgan should mean something to me. Uh oh. I've read uh, what? his name a million times on this pod. Okay, Henry Gaden, known for Shazam. Looks like he was additional crew on Spider-Man Three. Mm-hmm. Chris Morgan. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Producer of the Fast and Furious pod. Of, Bingo. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> he's written like eight Fast Furious and Six. Furious movies. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Huh. I did not know that. I've said it at the beginning of every Fast cast. <laughs> yeah, but who? Uh, no offense to you, my friend Chris Morgan. I recognize his picture now that I'm pulling up his IMDb photo. Yeah. I recognize this photo, but. He's no the offense, only reason why they got fucking Helen Mirren in this movie. That's that's a fact. Solid, solid point for what a fantastic performance. But we will get into that later. Yeah. Um, Runtime of two hours and ten minutes. Um, budget. There's rough numbers floating around the internet right now, but people are pegging this at still at a lower-ish budget um, of around 125 million. So yeah. still on the lower spectrum. Definitely not like making the big like ringing in the big budgets for like like a batman v superman or a justice league um but the box office returns not so spicy my friend no not 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 looking too good nope as of the last time i checked domestic box office sitting at 35 million and international at 34 million for a whopping worldwide total of 70 million um 
This comes from, I believe this is Variety. The DC sequel opened to an underwhelming $30.1 million in the domestic box office, lower than the $53 million of the first film in 2019. On Twitter, star Zachary Levi opened up about the disappointing debut, blaming the soft box office on how the movie was promoted and sold. In a fan Q&A, Levi wrote that the, quote, biggest issue with Fury of the Gods was marketing. He also said that while he's not blaming the box office on Zack Snyder fans, he acknowledged that there is a particularly vocal cadre of Snyder devotees online who eagerly root for any other DC project to fail. One Shazam <laughs> fan tweeted, quote, there's no denying that at the moment there are many Snyder fans who are happy for the failure of your film and many of them wish that everything that is to come fails just not for continuing with the films of their director, end quote. Um, I think that's true. Yeah, I don't know. There are some crazy – there's crazy people everywhere though. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you don't see like – like the Snyder fans, I feel like that's a big contingent. You don't see people out here like supporting Ron Howard to make more solo movies in the same way that you see like the Snyder heads. Release the Howard cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was release the Lord Miller cut. That was a thing. Yeah, but that was like for two months and then people were like, ah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um. So Levi wrote in a response. So to that tweet, that Shazam fan tweet, Zachary Levi wrote a tweet in response and said, this is also true. Sad, but true. <laughs> How much that actually affects the box office is anyone's guess, but I think the biggest issue we're having is marketing. This is a perfect family movie, and yet a lot of families aren't aware of that, which is just a shame. And I'm going to ask you, Jonathan Parker, what? who does that tweet sound like? That this is a family movie? No, no, no. Just the opening of Levi's tweet, quote, sad, sad. but true. Mm, sounds like a sounds like a former president. Sounds like someone with an orange face and a tiny penis. <laughs> sounds like it, this this reads like a Trump tweet, doesn't it? Isn't sad. It? Yeah. What a, a shame. Sad. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, Zachary Levi's turning into Donald Trump. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Okay. We're almost done through the box office stuff and at the very beginning. Um, yeah, so the box office, blah, 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 not doing so well. We'll talk about kind of the ramifications of kind of what that means. Um, and maybe, like, we'll get opinions here when we do – we'll do spoiler-free at the very beginning, and then we'll transition to spoilers when we start doing the plot by Jay. Um, but movies, where is it? Rotten Tomatoes is crashing on me. Sad. But true. <laughs> Sorry, no results found for Shazam. Is what okay. Rotten Tomatoes just Let me see if I can pull it up for you. I guess it doesn't exist. 404, nothing found. It doesn't exist anymore. They wiped I'm also, the internet. Yeah, I'm getting the same thing. It's blanking oh, out. Rotten that's... Tomatoes is in the fucking uh, refraction period. <laughs> Maybe I need to... I'm going to turn off ad blocker. We'll see what's going on. Did you clear your cookies? <laughs> I clear my cookies. Did not. Shazam, Fury of the Gods. All right, fuck it. Shazam Fury. This is great podcasting. I uh, have some other news topics that you haven't included in the doc. I don't know if you're going to bring them up at all, but I think we should talk about it on this podcast because it makes the most sense as well. Okay. Um, and that's um, regarding an, a movie that we talked about on the last installment of DC You're in Review. But currently... We can't get this Rotten Tomatoes to open. Why but is Rotten Tomatoes freaking out? Let's just put it this way. The what critic weird... score is low. <laughs> it's what a weird time for Rotten Tomatoes to crash, right when we yeah. decide to do the pod. 
Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. But I'm pretty sure. Help me, help me out here. I'm yeah. pretty sure the last time I checked, the review critic reviews were in like the fifties. Critic review last time I looked at it was about 56, 57. I want 56, to say. 57 percent, and then and about then, a seventy-five percent fresh for for the audience. For the audience, okay. For those that did go see it, yeah. So what was your story based on the other based on the the other movie? We're, I'm mean, guessing we're talking about Black Adam. Yeah. Have you seen Dwayne John the Dwayne Johnson news that's been coming out I about did. this? I yeah. Did. Yeah. I think we should talk about this on this episode because it's the most applicable because okay. we're literally talking about the character that is. Do you have the story? Backs. Do you have the story pulled up? It was like an interview that he gave, right? Or did he? Tweet I'm trying about to it? load it up. He just essentially confirmed while I try to pull up a Hollywood Reporter article. He confirmed that they asked him to be in the post credit scene of the first Shazam movie, and he said no because he wanted to debut in the black adam movie and then instead of superman appearing at the end of black adam they initially wanted shazam so that he could be the villain of shazam fury of the gods and he said no to the the cameo at the end instead citing that he wanted to fight superman and then declined to be involved in shazam fury of the gods so then they went out and wrote these three characters that do not exist in mythology the daughters of atlas and uh, now we are where we are. So we could have gotten a Shazam versus Black Adam movie, but it seems like Dwayne Johnson's um, gung ho-ness, if you want to use that, of making sure that Black Adam is an anti-hero that can run his own franchise. Nick's that happening. Zach, what are your thoughts? Uh, worked out well, Dwayne. Worked out well. You did good. Yep. He's going to be in Fast X, right? So he's he's busy. <laughs> Yeah, he's not just getting torpedoed out of all of his franchises. (laughs) So far, yeah, so far, no confirmation of Fast X. What's the next big Dwayne Johnson movie that's coming out? Is he on a little bit of a down spiral now? Uh, That's a good question. Let me look that up while we talk about this. But we need to talk about how the fact that, remember back after Fast 5, Fast 6, he was like, I'm franchised Viagra. And now he's franchise impotence. (laughs) (laughs) God, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) No, I love Dwayne Johnson. I don't want to talk too much shit about him personally. I enjoy his persona. I think he's very charismatic and fun, but I don't think he's a very smart businessman when it comes to playing ball with these genres that he is so into wanting to be a part of, but... Well, I think he's made a lot of really weird steps recently, and the biggest blunder has been the whole DCU thing, because like... um, Usually Dwayne Johnson is really good or whoever picks his roles, whoever his like agent is, is really usually pretty good about getting him in movies that where he's going to make bank. And Dwayne Johnson saying that he's a bad businessman is like a little off base because like think of all the all the brands he has his name attached to Terramina tequila, that Zoa energy drink like the rock is the rock is more than an actor at this point. He's like a he's like a mogul. And so, yeah. He's less yeah. concerned about these projects, but I think that in his arrogance, he thought that he could change things. And um, you need to do better than making one mediocre movie and saying that you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Because that was the whole drama with Black Adam is that rem- – remember like the press tour? He's like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to bring this person on board. I'm really excited for the future. And everyone's like, are you running this thing, dude? Like are you are – you, nude mr dc like what is happening and and it wasn't until james gunn got on board and then it was like that was one of the big first announcements was like sorry we're not making that's not the case yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, and, the, and um, the price is right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a pin in that real quick. Things that Dwayne Johnson apparently is is working on currently is a reboot of Big Trouble in Little China. Oh no! Oh Jungle. no! They're remaking Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jungle Cruise no. Two. Oh my god! Electric Boogaloo. Cruise Control, or as <laughs> as they say, <laughs> San Andreas Two. Untitled Red Notice sequel, which was wait, 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 is that the title of Jungle Cruise 2 Cruise Control? Is that what it's called? No, that was Speed 2. You ever oh. see Speed 2 Cruise Control? <laughs> no. I was really hoping that it was Jungle Cruise 2 Cruise Control. Don't put it past the rock to try to get it named that. Oh, um, God. Funny. <laughs> yeah, check out Cruise Control. Speed in review. You want to watch? It's just two movies. We could crank that out on a weekend. Fuck it. Fuck it. I love the first speed. Sandy Bullock, eat my fucking heart out. Um, anyway, that's all he's got. Coming up. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Um, I should say, though, that like. All jokes aside, all, all weird shit aside, Dwayne Johnson physically embodied Black Adam in a way that I liked. Sure. I do not like the tone of that movie. No. But if you plucked him out and put him in this movie, it makes perfect sense. It's absolutely like, it seems like that movie and this movie are two halves of one whole, but with a lot of extra bullshit like that kid on the skateboard and Lucy Liu and like all this kind of shit that like oh. I don't particularly vibe with. And it's like it's it's two underbaked products that could have been actually, I think, a really good sequel to Shazam, which you and I both really enjoy. And I rewatched right before seeing this movie. Bad idea because the first movie is so good. <laughs> <and> this one <laughs> – it really takes away from the new one. Yeah, so um, th- yeah, so we're getting a little bit. Let, let's just go surface level really quick, because I don't think there's really much that we can say spoiler free. Like we're just gonna get into the get in the meat of the matter, right? Yeah, there's a couple spoiler free things that we could talk about in terms of the cast, but not in terms of like their specific plot points for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, then let's just dive on in. Overall impressions: Shazam, Fury of the Gods. John, what did you think of the movie? So. I had a fun time because of a couple of different circumstances. However, I don't think that this is a rewatchable movie for me, which leads me to of we started the DC EU in review so that we could go back and rewatch the ones that were bad a second time with fresh eyes. And unfortunately for Shazam and Black Adam and even the Suicide Squad before that, we are only seeing them for the first time, doing a podcast about it within a couple weeks and then moving on. And I don't think I'm going to be watching Shazam or Black Adam again in the same way that I will with the Suicide Squad. So I think that even though we're not giving it the time of day to like exist before we review it, I don't want this podcast to be to be moot because I do think we have a pretty good barometer for the ones that are rewatchable. And uh, this is not one of those for me personally, even though I think first time. I enjoyed it more than Black Adam. I'll go ahead and put that out there in the ether. Not that that's a very high bar to clear. Um, there are some cast members that I still really enjoy from the first movie. And then there are new ones that I don't enjoy very much. Um, and there are even returning cast members that I do not enjoy very much this time around as well. Um, and then, then I guess the last non-spoiler thing that I'll talk about is just like I'm kind of confused. Like it's weird seeing these movies now that we know that they're not continuing. So it just kind of feels 
like it's not building to anything. And then the fact that the movie doesn't have very much of a emotional gut punch or dramatic, like enticing feature even makes, me, even makes me less interested right because it's like going into it i'm like this isn't happening anymore unless this movie is like amazing and people are like bring them back and then it's like and that's what they put out there and it's like yeah you're probably you're probably not going to be in the james gunn era which is you know a shame because i do genuinely like the first shazam movie and i like zachary levi as captain marvel um but it's not this is not this it's almost like you're you're having to uh fight for your job with these movies right same thing with blue beetle like blue beetle because it was already in development if that movie's not good we're not blue beetle anymore and james gunn dcu you know what i mean i don't know it's a weird time to be watching these movies the last thing that i'll say so yeah oh and and the the skittles thing is insane but <laughs> What about you? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, I think this movie's a mess. I think that, like, it has moments that I really enjoyed. Um, some things that carried over from the first Shazam. Like, yeah, not to belabor the point, but you and I really have a soft spot for Shazam. Looking ahead, it's number two on our list, below yep. the Suicide Squad and above Wonder Woman. That's pretty high praise. Um, it's a good movie. It holds up. I, I, I rewatched it this weekend before seeing the new one, and— I was like, man, this movie's charming as fuck. And it's all on like real sets in Philadelphia. They're just hanging out. It's it's hilarious and delightful and has a really good message. Yeah. Wish I could say the same for this movie. <laughs> sure. Yeah, this movie this movie's just a tonal mess. So I think that's the reason why I didn't vibe with it. Like, um, I should say this, like, just in terms of the box office, my, I, my theater was almost empty. There were like two or three other people in the theater with me, and yeah. one group of a mom and like three kids. And so, like, clearly mom on a Sunday was taking, like, her her son and, like, his friends or something out to the movies, and they were not feeling it. They were walking around and, like, fucking around, and, like, Lord. they got up to go to the bathroom multiple times, and I just don't think they were vibing with the movie. Um, I don't think that Zachary Levi is off base with it with wor the concerns about it not being a family movie because I don't really fucking think it is. I think this movie is, like, a weird-ass fantasy acid trip. Like, it's not – it lost this movie completely in my opinion lost what make the what made the first one special and the first Shazam is a really really cool coming of age story with a simple premise young kid gets superpowers how does he handle that reality and what does he do when he has to like step up and be a bigger person what the fuck is the theme of this movie that you have to try harder like that you have to bring the family together. Like it's, these are like thinner things that don't have any motivation. They fuck around, they mess around with a thing in the very beginning of the movie where, this is very light spoilers, but in the very beginning of the movie, it's the same foster kids, the same foster family, which by the way, these kids looking way too old. This is like bad Stranger Things syndrome. <laughs> these kids look like they're fucking way too old here. You know, they look like college the perfect kids. age though? Mary, Mary Marvel, call me. <laughs> we'll talk about Mary. Um, there's, there's something, something about, about Mary, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I just, they touch on this thing at the very beginning where it's like, oh, there's going to be this, this idea that he's growing up too fast, that he's growing up a little bit quicker than he wants to even. And he's yeah. like moving on beyond the family and that he never created like a really strong emotional tie with the family. Like he, he has a moment where he calls the parent, the foster parents by their first names. And it's like a shot they linger on. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, 
that's an interesting concept. I like the idea of like he gets superpowers in the first one. He learns to accept that there are other people that he can rely on. I like the idea of like what does like what does that mean when you start to grow apart from these sort of people? And they just they completely threw that shit out the window. And then they bring it back at the very end. And I was like, this wasn't earned at all. And I just think that the whole movie is all over the place. Like the last hour of this movie is atrocious. I hated all of it. Like, and I think that there's a there's a very clear earlier you were talking like where's the midway point? There is a midway point, and it is redacted. When redacted starts popping out of redacted, and I was um, like, and I was like, what is happening? This has turned into Jurassic World, and I am not <laughs> vibing with this. And from that moment to the end of the movie, I was like, so, what the fuck was that? Oh. <laughs> It sounded like a cat. I, thought, <laughs> I was like, I was like Franklin, <laughs> where is he? Oh, I miss him. The ghost of Franklin, <laughs> haunting the microphone. Franklin, goddamn it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, spoiler-free thoughts. I think this is not a good movie. I think that it has moments of, it had some moments that made me laugh. Uh, I think yeah. that the the emotional beats just didn't land, and I think that it was such a missed opportunity considering how good the first one is. Like this so does good. what a lot of sequels I hate do is like we got to go bigger, better, bolder. We got to do everything, throw it all in the pot. Like we can't just have another fucking simple story about yeah. this family in Philadelphia. We got to have dragons and fucking time ma- manipulation powers and fucking gods and goddesses. It's like. I was just overwhelmed. Like I, I just, yeah. it, I just, it lost the charm. Follow me on a comparison here, real quick, if you don't mind, for this thought exercise. So, if the first Shazam is the first Thor movie, which I like the first Shazam movie more than the first Thor, but the first Thor is very self-contained, lower rom-com. budget, rom-com, Shakespearean type thing. Then Fury of the Gods is the dark world where they're like, what if you see all the realms and all the monsters and like everything that this stuff has to offer? You know what I mean? Just like bigger for the sake of trying to have more stakes by showing you more things. That's kind of what it reminded me of with like a very, 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 very underdeveloped villain. But the heart of the two characters that you like the most is still there every once in a while, which is the Thor and Loki or Shazam and and, um, Freddy. Um, something else that like, though, I agree with, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think I would rather watch the dark world over this again. Uh, oh, really? I, <laughs> I think the dark world, is, like, I think it's shorter than this. Is it shorter? No, it's not. It's not. Okay, I don't think well, there's an MCU movie under two hours. So hmm, interesting. Yeah. I don't you know. Just like Kat Dennings going Mew Mew. <laughs> I, do like, I do like Mew Mew. I also like, uh, Natalie, <laughs> Natalie Portman's got the, not the ether in her. She's got that fucking yeah, the ether. seed inside of her. Yeah, the ether. <laughs> um, that rocket gets to extract. What a great yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, here's, the, here's another big problem that I have that I've seen a lot of people make this comparison to. I just didn't – I didn't feel – there were a couple moments, mostly when they're young kids, when it's Jack Dylan Grazer and whatever the fuck his name is, Jonah Hill. What's, his, what's the kid's name? Who plays uh, Billy? Yeah, who's Kip who's Billy? Asher Angel. Asher Angel. Thank you so much. Jonah Hill. <laughs> that was the first. I reached into the void and I pulled Jonah Hill. I. Uh, She's DTF. She's down to fuck. <laughs> she wants uh, my dick in and around her mouth. 
Um, I liked it when they're kids, but man, they just they couldn't wait to get Asher Angel out of this fucking movie. Yeah, into I feel kind of bad because I liked him a lot like in the too. first movie. He has the best scene in the movie in terms of acting in the first movie, which totally. is when he finds his mom. Yep, totally. Ooh. Talk about talk about great a fucking scene. future Oscar winner right there. Great scene, and what a great little moment that ties everything together, and you immediately understand what the theme is there. Like, there's a moment in this movie where they try to do that, and it just doesn't land at all. And what I thought, what I've seen a lot of people complain about, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this. This is the overwhelming sentiment for this movie on on social media, is Zachary Levi is awful in this. I I, I think he's bad, like straight up bad, and he's overacting. Not, he- He's not acting he's, like Billy. He's no. acting like something else, like a yeah, cartoonish like, version of Shazam. It's almost like when Billy is Shazam in this movie, he's more immature. Yeah. Which is Zachary Levi, as we've come to find out, is a pretty, you know, he's very comparable to another immature actor out there named Chris Pratt. And uh, they, those guys just like to ham it the fuck up when they're on screen. And I think they were somehow able to rein that in in the first Shazam movie a little bit and make him match with Asher Angel, or maybe Asher Angel was matching with him. I don't even know. But in this one, because of the success of the first movie, I feel like he was just like, he's like, I want to make Fast and Furious jokes. I want to be like shooting lightning at dragons. And it's crazy. I want to have a bunch of one-liners and quips, and I want to, like I, I don't know, I, and I think it was like maybe Zachary Levi was like, I just want to be in the movie more. I want to be established as the face of this franchise. Like, I don't want it to be about the kid. I want it to be about me because like he's maybe. in the movie for ninety percent of the time. I feel like Asher Angel is barely in this. Like he's in it a little bit at the beginning, scattered in the middle, but you don't see Asher Angel until the fucking end of the goddamn movie. Yeah, but like barely, 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 and yeah. It's a shame because, like, I think that the first one had such great character dynamics. Like, I liked all the foster kids. And the, the other one that really bo- bothered me, and this isn't a spoiler either, but um, what's the fat kid's name? Is it Ben? The character's name? Yeah. Uh, the, like, Pedro. Pedro. Thank you so much. Um, they turned what could have been, like, a really subtle nod in the first one into just totally ham-fisting the whole gay thing. And it almost felt like a joke out of, like, 2005. Where I'm like, this almost <laughs> this almost feels offensive. Yeah, it that felt like his, wedding crashers. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, this feels kind of offensive that his only recognizable character trait is that he's gay and likes to watch baseball. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, that seems kind of reductive toward you know, that he's forcing himself to like baseball, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. So I don't know. They they just took so many different characters and like twisted them up. Like, I even think that I mean, like, shout out to Mary Marvel, but like. She gets nothing to do in this movie. Nothing to Absolutely do. I was nothing. so disappointed. I was like, man. And when she's at the beginning, I was like, yes. And then I was like, no. <laughs> she gets one funny moment that I actually liked with this, with the the hangover thing, which was one line in the movie that actually got me to laugh out loud. Uh-huh. And I noted that because – and we'll talk about it when we get to the plot. But I, I laughed out loud in the theater, and I was like the only one that laughed because the kids behind me they were too it. young to get that joke. And the mom I don't think wanted to laugh because she she didn't want to like insinuate that she knew what she said a bad example. And I laughed, and I went – and I like caught myself and I was like, I was like, oh. I was like, that was weird. I was like, I've never caught myself laughing and felt inappropriate laughing in a theater. Yeah. So that was a weird fucking experience for me. But um, what was your theater experience like? You told me that, I mean, you and, T- <laughs> you and T- here were trying to chase the magic dragon, right? Or something. Well, yeah. So <laughs> we had about a half 
full theater, I would say. Definitely not a packed theater, but we saw it Sunday night uh, at like six or seven. So it was like decent, decent opening weekend time slot. Mm. Um, mostly adults, though. Cinemark Valley View, not a family theater. I feel like most people that go there are just like on dates or with groups of friends and stuff like that. So yeah, mostly adults. Some of the jokes were really landing. Um, some of the things that weren't intentionally funny were landing for me and to hear very, <laughs> very heavily because of um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, because magic. of because yeah. of things, yeah. because of things. <laughs> One of the funniest things was to hear being um, very, very attracted to the foster mom. Oh, uh, I'm shocked. Marta. I'm shocked. And he, every time she would be on screen, he would look over and he'd go, mm, man, <laughs> she's nice. And, I'm, <laughs> and it just tickled my funny bone to no end. Um, but yeah, that was, you know. Our theater experience was, I would say, the most reaction would come from Jack Dylan Grazer lines, most likely. Sure. I mean, he's the most charismatic in the movie. Like, there's not even a shadow of a doubt. Like, he's given the most to work with. Like, He's a great kid actor. He's not even he a is, kid anymore either. That's the crazy thing. But Nope. He is a preteen, and, he, and he's dance, He's hanging out in the hallway. Had to shoot that scene in the very beginning with fucking uh, Romeo, or Juliet from the Romeo and Juliet movie, and he's probably just popping – popping hard on his left he's like he's like so i started blasting <laughs> that, was, that was the whole opening sequence yeah anyway that being said not a not a not a good worthy successor to the first Shazam movie by any stretch of the imagination unfortunately very i think that's the thing is that like that's that's my biggest sentiment about my takeaway before we move to the plot and spoilers and stuff is that like I'm bummed that this wasn't better. Like, I wanted this movie to be good. Like, I actually, I was really disheartened when I saw the reviews. And part of me didn't want to see it because I didn't want to tarnish that experience. Now, I don't think that this ruined the first Shazam. I will still go back and rewatch the original Shazam because I think that it's a really great, heartfelt, coming-of-age story with a unique concept. But this movie, boy, howdy, do I never want to see this again. I hope I never, ever see this movie again. Like, I just can't find, I can't imagine that, like, I can't imagine that I would enjoy it more the second time around. I don't know how you feel. Um, I can see myself giving it another chance down the road on streaming for fun, like just to throw it on one day. But I can't see myself ever liking it anywhere close to as as much as the first one, nor even some of the other DC comic movies or anything like that. I was curious to ask you before we dive into the plot of this movie, uh, this or Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which one are you taking? Ooh. You're on a desert island. And you only have one. <laughs> it has to be. Oh one of my those. god! You can't kill yourself. You have to pick one. Because <laughs> I know you, and I know you'd say, "Can I just kill myself?" Can I just stick my head in the sand and blow? Um. Ay, caramba! Let um, the audience be reminded that he fell asleep in the second half of Quantum How long is Quantum Uh, two hours and. 15 minutes, 20 oh minutes. God, it's longer than up. this piece of shit. Um, Let me look that up. Stand by. Uh, maybe this. I think this is the. I think this is a more rewatchable movie than Quantum Mania, which is and crazy it, and to it say out loud. And it blows my mind to say, but yeah, I think that Ant Man is worse than this movie. I think that Ant Man was. Just um total miss. I think that this had moments that hit, but overall, wow. 
What yeah. a pull there. Isn't that a shame, though, that those are the last two movies we saw in the theaters? Yeah. I will go see Cocaine Bear. I promise. <laughs> I want you to. Did you know it's on Cocaine Dude, Ammon and the Wasp Quantumania has a... No, nice. Okay, I'll just watch it at home then. Uh, <laughs> but I'll pay full price. I'll buy it. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is sitting at a 47% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critically. And let's just do the quick Shazam comparison because we never got an actual answer. It's Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> is it back? <laughs> 51% fresh, critically. So just barely a more polished turd than the other. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> Damn. Good lord. Good golly. Good God. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about it for the spoiler-free thoughts. So what we're about to do is we're going to transition to the plot of the movie. John Swansong Parker is going to run us through a tale. I'm excited to hear it. But first, I need to fill this up and take this hoodie off because I'm sweating. It's Waltering. Okay. Be right back. Two minutes. All right. Welcome back to DCEU in review. We just took a short break so I could fill up on tea. John, how many glasses of wine down are you, my friend? Uh, this is my fourth. We about to get spicy. I had some for din- with dinner, to, to be <laughs> fair. It hasn't all been on the pod, but yeah, it's about to we're about to go into the stratosphere, kids. All right. Well, take me to the stratosphere and uh, run me through it, baby. Okay, so I'm going to preface my plot synopsis by saying that I took some memory loss substances that are going to impede me from being able to recall this thing perfectly. So take that with a grain of Skittles. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that, but we'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so our movie starts off, I think, (laughs) with a museum at the Acropolis in Greece. Where um, what's that actor's name that's in all the comedies oh, and the God. commercials? I'll look it up. Just Gal just going. saw him in Texas. Either way, um, there's tourists that are at the museum that are checking out all these ancient Greek mythology artifacts. And one of the artifacts on display at the museum is the wizard Shazam's staff, as seen in the first movie, Shazam 2018. Check it out. Broken in half. First off, why? Yep. In the comic in comics. Do they just keep artifacts fucking willy-nilly? And well, this is there's a problem a, in both There's a specific too. reason for why this is in the museum, which we'll get to in a little bit, which I actually think is pretty funny. I, I thought that was a clever bit there, but yeah. um, think about it. Two movies recently, superhero movies in the last year, have initiated their up. have yeah. initiated their plots because of breaking into a museum. Hollywood is officially out of ideas. <laughs> fully, fully running on empty. <laughs> running on empty. <laughs> Breaking to the Louvre. Um, right. The actor that you're thinking of, the character actor, his name is Rizwan Manji. Thank you. Uh, so he is talking about how the staff is rumored to have been, you know, a source of great power. But obviously, all these people are here at a museum. They don't believe in magic mm-hmm. necessarily. Suddenly, two like spartan dressed clad people walk in the room everyone thinks it's for show including the tour guide and he's like oh see you never know what to expect at the museum it's so fun and is revealed to be uh helen murin and lucy Liu's characters uh who are i've already okay oh okay what are you gonna say no 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 no. jump do do it helen murin plays hespera and lucy Liu plays calypso I release you from your human thoughts. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about that. That's funny. Hespera and Calypso, two daughters of Atlas, the Titan from Greek mythology. What were you about to say? I was going to say, 
in no – so here's a problem, and we've talked about this before. When movies are bad and not like entertaining bad, I usually find myself questioning the logic. And this was a big problem I had with Jurassic World um, where it's like the movie's not engaging me mentally, and this is already happening in the first five minutes, and I'm already thinking to myself – how long is this fucking tour guide work there? You see some motherfucking armor ass people walking up to the thing or whatever. You ain't got the you ain't got the you ain't got the mental capacity to be like this ain't right. We're in 2023, the year of our Lord. We ain't gonna like we're not gonna let these people just stroll up to the goddamn glass of the, the hidden staff of Shazam. It's like you you train, you know when the tour guides are gonna come around and yell the British. It's like you know what's gonna happen. You know when they're gonna be around doing their rounds. I don't understand what's happening here. I was like I was like wow. I was like, this guy is like, and he's baffled the whole time. He's baffled when they start defacing property. I'm like, well, it's crazy. We should say, in order to diffuse the tension, uh, Lucy Lou's powers is that she can use super whispering in people's ear, Wanda Wanda Vision style, where she like makes people go nuts and they start like infecting other people by also being like, whoosh, 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 like whispering in their ears. So maybe they slip past the guards that way if you really want to get into it, but who cares? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that being I can hear said, you. Uh, that being said, they they're able to split up all the people. Everyone goes nuts. They start hurting themselves or they run away uh, and they break open the glass and they're going to grab the parts of the staff. Hespera, played by Helen Mirren, kind of slaps Lucy Lou's hand when she goes for the top end of the staff. And she's like, no, girl, you're a bottom. Slaps it, makes her grab the other second <laughs> end of the staff. Uh, and they each grab those parts and go back to their realm of magic where they have imprisoned our homie Shazam, not the character Shazam, the, the titular character, but the wizard Shazam from the first movie played by Jaiman Huntsu. Who I really enjoyed in this movie. He's the best part of the movie. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. He's great. This guy is such a fucking class act. One of the best character actors we've had in our totally. lifetime, at least, right? Totally. I mean, we've been seeing totally. him in movies. The first thing I can remember is Gladiator. So, like, oh, wow. Just a Who fucking is he Gladiator? He's uh he's Maximus's friend, you know. He's the guy that's like wow. not yet, Maximus, not yet. It's so good. Anyway. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, check out Gladiator because uh, Ridley Scott's making a sequel, so that's pretty wild. But yeah, yeah, he dude. I mean, you look at that guy's resume. He is in everything. Everything. I mean, let us not forget, he is also small. in Fast and the Furious. So there's that connection. Yep, he's also in Black Adam. Um, oh my God, yeah, he was. Yep, Black he's Adam also in Blackout. He's yeah. also been so in a lot of this is his third DCEU, so he's in the three. He's in the three timers club. Not a lot of people in the DCEU could say that. <laughs> nope, Shazam, Shazam. So more so than that too. He's in Black Adam, Shazam, Shazam Two, and he's Already. King Riku in Aquaman. He's the voice of King Riku or something like that. A four timer. A four timer. Oh he's a, and, he's he beat Ben Affleck. He beat Ben Affleck. Um, right? Ben Affleck was in BVS, Suicide Squad, Stinger, Justice League. He's about to be in The Flash. Oh, okay. All right. So he's about to be tied with Ben Affleck. Wow. Ain't that ain't that a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Life comes at you fast, <laughs> Ben Affleck. <laughs> Wizard Shazam can help. I mean, it's anyway, been a long... they, um... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to nope. say it's been a long time since I've seen Gladiator, so I need to go back and rewatch it now that they're remaking it. Or not remaking it. Have you heard about this Gladiator yeah, sequel they're soft making? Soft reboot, yeah. Soft reboot. Uh, I'll have to go back and rewatch that. But I remember seeing him for the first time in, like, isn't he's in Blood Diamond. And then he was also um, the Who guy in Guardians. I think that was, yes. like, the most of the 
pop culture world's introduction to him. Yeah, love me some um, some Jamin Hunsu, man. He's great. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they while he is prison, he tells them that he will never help them reclaim what was taken from them, which we'll find out a little bit more later. They kind of force him through use of the super whisper to reforge the staff by holding both pieces together and saying Shazam, which is, as we know from the first movie, the source of um, his magic, as well as Billy and the rest of the family. Cut to Big Goonies house, all the kids doing all the Goonies stuff. You know, they're just hanging out. They're doing all their hijinks. You got you got the closeted gay kid watching baseball with the foster mom. You got the nerdy kid. You know, doing video game stuff. You got Freddie Freeman, played by Jack Dylan Grazer, a character that we really enjoy and a performer that we really like. He's listening to police scanners for times that he can sneak away without having to work with the family. He's Mr. Incredible. You got Mary Marvel, who apparently didn't go to college and uh, is deciding to stay back for a reason that I can't remember. Maybe you can you can let me know. Um, no, she's she's taking classes. Isn't she going to like a community, community college. college or something yeah, she, like okay, that? Okay, so yeah. she was supposed to go to like a bet, like a bigger school. Gotcha. Okay, so she's supposed to leave Philly and then she didn't. Um, Caltech, I think, from the first movie, if I remember correctly, because I just watched it. Anyway, everyone's still in the house, and they're all up to their normal shenanigans. You got little Darla making a model of unicorns attacking Genghis Kong. Foreshadowing. First, first Skittle reference we first get Skittle here. reference. Where, There's Skittles washed in someone's jeans. Yeah, Mary's like, why, why are my jeans yellow? And Darla's like, I put Skittles in your fucking jeans or whatever. And she's like, oh, yeah, you little shit. Why'd you do that? And she's like, well, I wanted you to be happy or something. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, what is happening? What was I about to say? <laughs> Something about what's, Mary. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite Skittles flavor? Oh, God. Because this is going to oh. come up in a little bit, and I need to talk to you about it. It's very important to me. Can, this is a bit. So, do, do you need a refresher? There's yellow, green, <laughs> red, purple, Thanks. and orange. <laughs> that was funny. Do you need a refresher? Um, so, I mean, here's the thing. We don't talk about this on the pod very much. I don't have much of a sweet tooth. I honestly can't remember the last time I had Skittles. The last time I had Skittles were freeze-dried Skittles in Birmingham. And before that, God knows when. God knows when I had Skittles. And from my memory, I, I remember I like the red Skittles and the purple Skittles. Those are my two. But beyond that, I would always, as a kid, opt for sour Skittles. Hmm. You do seem like the type... That's a, that's good. Sour Skittles are fucking fire. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. All right. What about well, you? Where or are you keeping that a secret? Saving it. Uh, we'll come back to that. I bet it's yellow. You fucking cock. <laughs> I bet it's yellow. <laughs> you know me. You know me very well. Of course it's fucking yellow. It's the closest thing to lemon heads that there is. So I took great offense to a joke that comes later in the movie. Anyway, Billy is also here. He's approaching the he's approaching 18 years of age, which in the foster system means that you are a legal adult like Mary. And he is a little bit worried about what's he going to do next? Is he going to get kicked out of the house? You know, everyone's still there, but Mary's going to school. So she has a reason to be there. He does not. So he's kind of freaking out. He talks to Freddie, finds out Freddie's listening to the police scanner. And they pick up that on the police scanner that the Ben Franklin Bridge in Philadelphia is like collapsing because of a car accident like a bus went over the side or something like that so they shazamily get all together and they go outside and they all shazam at one time with like this super wide shot um while they all transform 
before so. the not to interject too much but before no, this please, is because mo- i don't remember specific details so right before they leave is the moment i was talking about earlier where she's like okay like love you guys and he's like love you rosa or whatever like he says her name her first name and you can clearly tell that she's like not super thrilled about she that she wants to be called mom yeah yeah all everyone else calls her mom but she 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 wants to be called mommy and he won't call her mommy and then they leave and then they shazamly and then <laughs> they go on their way um i got a question um Jack Dylan Grazer's listened to the goddamn police scanner to try and figure out what's going on. But when they cut to the bridge, where are the cops? Where where are anybody that's supposed to do this. anything? Yeah. I was like, is the protocol when the bridge is collapsing, maybe the biggest bridge in Philly, just to say fuck them? Let it like, collapse. I mean – Let them die. <laughs> after the Super Bowl, all bets are off. <laughs> so maybe they're just like fuck the system. <laughs> I'm surprised. So this movie got delayed because of COVID, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't there some COVID delays? No, no. no. Because I'm surprised there were no. um, They couldn't sneak one. Actually, no. Wait, no. It did. It got. It got technically delayed by COVID because Black Adam moved to October, which then Shazam was supposed to come out last Christmas, and it now came out now. So anyway, um, yeah. So the Ben Franklin Bridge. They're all saving people. They're flying around. Uh, We hear. I need a hero playing on the radio as shazam uh saves a woman who's listening to it on the radio we get our first zachary levi quip which is uncharacteristically from astro angels portrayal of billy batson he has the comedy chops to be like no way i saved you to this song and so anyway they're doing the guardians of the galaxy thing where there's a popular song playing while they're doing stuff so it all the Shazamly is, is is saving cars falling off the side and and cables that are splitting up and they're all using their powers to try to you know save people from this bridge. There's two needle drops in this movie that are pretty egregious in my opinion, mm-hmm. and this is one of them. Uh-huh. I don't think that that joke warrants using this whole song at max volume for what feels like four and a half minutes. Almost the whole song. Does, Almost the whole is song. this needle drop worse though than uh, Rolling Stones paint it black as Black Adam kills a bunch of <laughs> helicopters in the desert? <laughs> that was so bad that I kind of liked it. Um, I, I liked it because I predicted it where I was like, yeah, what's the dumbest song that they could pick that has the word black in it? <laughs> he got the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they use both the bad ones. They use that and black skinhead. So. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, at least we didn't get a Kanye needle drop in this movie. They knew better than to than to spice that one back. Yeah, in we were we were just like we were down on Black Adam, and then we got to the third act, and it goes, "No one man should have all that power." Oh, power! Like, that's the song. There's been a lot of Kanye drops. Now that I think about it, Black Skinhead and Suicide Squad. Maybe his songs are selling cheaper now that he's like kind of ostracized. Maybe him and Zach Levi are just like. <laughs> just hanging out and be like, how much, how much would it cost, man? Come on. What if we got Donald Trump here? I gotta Trump talk to, to Jay, media? man. I gotta yeah. talk to Jay. I can't sell that one. Jesus. Anyway, um, so they save everyone on the bridge, but because of the mass destruction, the news dubs them as the Philly fiasco, which I think is actually kind of, kind of funny. And yes. I also hope that there's a football play next year called the Philly fiasco, where like Jalen Hurts. Kicks it out to Jason Kelsey, who runs it in for a touchdown or something. The Philly yeah. fiasco. The Philly fiasco also sounds like a sex act. It sounds like it something, does. something you do it's in like, like a Cleveland a, steamer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Cleveland steamer, but completely accidental. So what's the Philly fiasco sex position? 
I think it has something to do with like the gas station that you need to unlock with a key at Seven Eleven, like Jesus. the bathroom at Seven Eleven. You know what I mean? I was gonna say you substitute your cock in for a Philly cheesesteak. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> that sounds gnarly. Yikes! Um, Again, anyway. real quick, because yeah. I don't think we're gonna talk about it more. This was another plot moment where I was thinking like, this would also be an interesting way for them <laughs> to go with this sequel. The family is trying to do superhero stuff it would but maybe they would get too many complaints of being like oh it's too similar to the boys but like the shazam family is like their kids trying to be superheroes so what happens when they fuck up um i thought that could have also been a really interesting way to go with this but the superhero family is pretty much infallible it just ha- so happens that the city of philadelphia is like oh, look at these fucking knuckleheads they're fucking running into bridges and shit or whatever <laughs> but it's like they're actually they actually saved like 300 people um, right so right. I'm not sure. That was an interesting plot thing that I just think they just went – they just completely deviered off that one. I actually really liked even the mention of it though because one of the things that they don't often talk about in superhero movies is the amount of public property damage that happens when superhero goes on. Like and accidentally splitting that Staten Island Ferry in half costs so much money. Now obviously Tony Stark bankrolls him so like – that's an easy payoff. All these foster kids can't afford to fix the bridge. You know what I mean? That's going to drive all the Philly people's taxes up for like the next three years. Well, they Mayor's show it's going to go up for re-election. Crime rates are down. It's crazy. They show at the <laughs> end the house is fucking decimated and the family is rebuilding it brick by brick. They got a hole in the brick. goddamn ceiling from a goddamn dragon or whatever. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And lightning bolts. Yeah. But I mean, this is a common theme in the DCEU. Think about it. We got Superman 9-11. That was property damage out the ass. It's crazy, man. We're about to get it again this summer. Ten years later, we're getting <laughs> the destruction of Metropolis Part Two. <laughs> it's like having Flash an anniversary on 9/11. <laughs> you know what, though? If they were like, you have to watch Metropolis get destroyed by Zod again, but Michael Keaton's there, I'm in. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Sign me the fuck up. Hmm. Do you think Wally's gonna be there again? What do they call you, Wally? Yeah. <laughs> You're the boss. <laughs> Except for it's Keaton saying it or whatever. Oh my god, that would be the nexus of our meme. <laughs> our meme them. <laughs> oh god, BBS is so fucking good. It's so funny to. It's so funny to quote. You're the boss, boss. <laughs> oh Jesus, it's a bullet. You shoot people with it. <laughs> Damn. All right, where were we? So they fixed the bridge. Um, so then I, then I guess, uh, the next thing that I recall is that they get back and Billy goes to sleep and he has a dream where he's on a date with Wonder Woman. Is that the next scene that you remember? Oh God. Um, I think that's what's next because they, they come back to the house and they all have like, kind of like everyone goes off to do their own thing. And Billy's like trying to figure out what they're doing. Like they all go to the lair. Right. And they're like, they're all hanging out in the lair. And Mary's like reading a chemistry book and Darla's like making crafts for people. Eugene's exploring all the different doors. This is where it starts to get very like Harry Pottery, where like all the all the doors in the lair has like all these different realms and stuff like that. But um, I like this. I like this concept of their lair. Like, yes, it's cool. This is in the comics and this is stuff that I really, really? enjoyed is exploring the seven magical lands that they tease in the first Shazam that all – like the Rock of Eternity is essentially a train station to going to other different magical realms. And that's what I thought this movie was going to be when they called it Fury of the Gods. But instead, it's still just all Philly based, but it's CGI Philly. So it doesn't even like look as good. 
Like if they were wanting to make a CGI movie, why don't you just have them fight in um oh, what's the Animal Land? It's like Zootopia. Like they could have gone to Animal Land. That would have been tight, right? Or Sweetsland. Sweetsland. <laughs> yeah, that would have fit in with the product placement. You could have had Hershey's exactly. and Skittles yeah, like, and Nestle and Yeah, yeah, big 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 uh big Nestle and big uh Skittles corporation just going head to head. Um anyway, yeah, I do enjoy that uh aspect but they didn't do enough with it in my opinion until we get to the part where they go to the library which i do think is actually pretty cool yeah it's cool um but anyway so like everyone's kind of like off doing their own thing and this is this is the first scene that i really noticed where zachary levi was like hamming it up where it's like billy this doesn't seem like billy would be reacting this way after the first movie i think the the billy we have in the first movie as soon as people start not wanting to spend time with him he would shut down. Whereas like this Billy is like being like awkwardly grasping at straws, trying to get people to hang out with each other, which is the theme yeah, of the movie seems is desperate. like, exactly the desperate, like if the first movie is like finding a family, the second movie is like desperately clinging to family. <laughs> Whereas like the fast and the furious is like, hold my beer. <laughs> but, but why? And that's my question yeah. is, but why, if the theme of the movie is clinging to family, then you have to have a good reason as to why he is emoting that way. But I'm lost as in ter- his reasoning is that he's going to move away. And no, he's, he's worried he's going to get kicked out and be on his own again, because in the same way that his mom left him for nothing. So he's worried about not getting attached. So his way of not getting attached is to spend as much time as possible with the family doing superhero shit. No, I think he's worried that he is attached and he's going to lose out on it a second time. It's not a great plot. I'm just telling you that's what they came up with. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I just – yeah, you're right. It's just – it's muddled. It's it's It doesn't have a very strong – there's no emotion – like I, I just don't know. I don't know what – his motivations aren't clear. Like yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so Billy goes to sleep and has this dream where he's on a date in Paris with Wonder Woman. And the uh, whole scene is shot over over Wonder Woman's head, and he's talking to her. And uh, I guess one of the things that we glossed over earlier was that he has this inferiority complex that's going on. He talked to like a pediatrician at the beginning of the movie. It's in the trailer. You can go check it out where he's like, I exist in a world where there's already gods and superheroes. And like, I don't really know what to do. Uh, anyway, this scene is really weird until he turns around and it's <laughs> Jaiman Hunsu face morphed onto Wonder Woman's body. And that killed me. <laughs> yeah, that I'm sure was when really I funny was, for uh, you to hear. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in my own uh, Rock of Eternity. Yeah, that was a good time. My own Rock of Eternity. Yeah, we missed, I guess, unless you covered it and I totally didn't hear you, we missed the part where they, the the Atlas Daughters of Atlas take the broken staff back to the wizard, force him to fix it. Yeah, I mentioned that. And, you yeah. mentioned that? Okay, so that's mm-hmm. how he contacts Billy in his dream or whatever. But yeah, yeah, this visual actually really, really got me. Like, I thought that this visual was funny as shit. Yeah, and we should say that he's able to contact him because he's able to steal a splinter from the staff. Oh, but yeah. But he has to pull it out of his finger, and it's just like an unnecessary horror element that David S. Sandberg's like, I need one. I need one moment. Give me <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the kids behind me were not digging that, and neither was the mom. And so that's another thing. Like the tone in this movie, it's all over the place. Like yeah. you got some horrifying fucking graphic 
action coming up here in an hour or two. And then here at the beginning, you got this like gore moment, like of a dude picking a wood thing out of his fingernail. Like, and it's a close up too. It's like right here on the screen and they just linger on it. And I was like, Oh my God, it's brutal. It'd be funny if he pulled the whole twig out and then Jesse Eisenberg goes, it's cherry. (laughs) (laughs) Or he pulls it all out. And then the caterpillar comes and takes it away, which we'll talk about. Oh, Mr. Mind. Yeah. Shout out to Mr. Mind. He's back. Um, So the next day, the family's back at school. And this is where we get the first of our sub-movie genres, which is uh, Freddie Freeman's romantic comedy in school, which is very Stranger Things. And uh, (laughs) so somehow, after the events of the first movie, with Shazam and Superman showing up to lunch, these guys are still picking on Freddie Freeman. It's the same two bullies. Freddie is just walking in the hallway and fucking Rachel Zegler from uh, what's what movie was she in recently? Um, Romeo and Juliet. No, it wasn't Romeo and Juliet. What's the Romeo and Juliet West Side Story? Oh, West Side Story. Sorry. Same yeah. basic concept. But same yeah. exact concept. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the same concept. She plays a character named Anne, quote unquote. Put a pin in that. And uh, she's new to school and she's uh, – <laughs> Listen, I don't want to be rude on this podcast, but she is unusually interested in Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Dude. Who, who we know is a Mondo dork. And as soon as this plot line started happening, Tahir was like, what the fuck is going on? He was so confused <laughs> as to why she was into him. It was so funny. Well, it's it's almost as if that's their intention, but I'm not sure if it was because like they're playing it up to be so sweet. And then when the twist happens, it's like you're supposed to be surprised. But I was like, yeah, of course – of course she's one of the daughters of of Atlas because who in their right mind – she's like an it girl level of hot. Like I don't understand <laughs> she's why like she's like – She's like – she kind of reminded me – I thought it was Jenna Ortega for like a split second. And I was about to be like, Zach's about similar. to have a great time in this movie. And then I was like, oh, wait. They're different. They um, look similar. But like I, I love – Jack Dylan Grazer, awesome. Like – funny too like they really had to ham up his humorisms but it's like it's like never never ever ever at least not that fast like you could do a story where it's like maybe they run into each other a couple times and it's kind of like a like a rom-com thing where it's like at first she's like a little off put by him and doesn't know how to feel but we we're already running on a two hour long movie and we gotta we gotta trim the fat somewhere so it's like i don't really want to see that but it's just not believable at how fast she goes from seeing him in the hallway to wanting to slob his knob. Right. She's very clearly honeypotting him. And she's like asking him about, oh, you know, the superheroes, you're the boy that had the superheroes come and eat lunch with him. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I know all those two superheroes, but I also know the cooler superhero in Philly, which is Captain Every Power, which is just what he's calling himself. Cause none of them can figure out what their superhero names are, which is a, like a running bit in the movie. Um, which is a play on the fact that, DC Comics lost the rights to being able to call them the Captain Marvel family. But that's besides the point. And uh, the bullies come up and they're like, hey, new girl, if you need anything, let us know. They fucking like bend his crutch, which is just bad. This is just like I don't know about you, but I really uh, don't like watching bullying in movies and TV. It actually like makes me viscerally uncomfortable. Like some of the stuff in the new season of Stranger Things with those mean bitches who were being mean to Eleven. I was like. It's nauseating to me. I don't know why, but that's that's a that's a different podcast for a different day. Um, 
And who should save him from this the sequence of bullying but our own favorite teacher? Yeah. Who's <laughs> fucking yeah, teacher. dude. What uh, a waste of him, too. What I know. <laughs> I was like, I, when I saw him show up on screen, I was like, fucking A. I was like, this is awesome. And then. Yeah. I thought he was going like to be like a god in disguise that was looking out for Freddy and some of the other people. Nope. He's just a, he's just a teacher that used to get bullied as well. He doesn't actually solve the problem with the bullying either. He's just like shows up, they leave, and he's like, you good, Freddy? And he doesn't even help fix his crutch. He just is like, all right, I used to live in that trash can. Have a good day. I'll check you later, bud. And then he walks away, and I was like, like, what is happening? And he says, when the two of you finish, can you say, oh, what a lovely tea party? But Thought about that the whole time. Yeah, that's all I could think about when I saw him. It was hilarious. (laughs) Make it sexy and sloppy. (laughs) Great voice. Love Dick Bader. He's got ties to DC Comics because he voiced Batman in uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Fun fact there. But Zach and I love his role in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as a security guard. He's also just an awesome character actor. I mean, the dude's been around forever. um, Euro Trip as the mugger. It's good stuff. He's not even like on the top build casting. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but... He's in, the, he's in the movie for like a couple minutes, right? That's a good point. Shazam, Rick and Morty. I mean, he's not even. Yeah, he's not even in the Wikipedia. <laughs> That's sad. Scooby-Doo and Batman, the brave and the bold. Did yep. you see that? I did. Of course I did. It was great. Great little. He was Craven the Hunter in Ultimate Spider-Man. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, dude, he's just been around. He he been around. He's uh, Uncle Rico too. Napoleon Dynamite, one of my favorite roles. Oh God, Uncle Rico. Yeah. Oh no no no, sorry, not Uncle Rico. Um, Rex. Rex Quando. Uncle Rico is uh. Oh, what's that guy's name? He's in Lost. I can't remember the actor's name, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's Rex one. He's like, you want to step into my dojo? (laughs) (laughs) I love love him in that fucking movie, dude. He's so funny. John Grease is uh, Uncle Rico. Your mom goes to college. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's keep this thing going. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. All right. Starting to get loopy. Yeah, Freddy's able. Freddy, Freddy's able to hit it off with Dan enough to the point that he's like, if you want to meet one of these superheroes, uh, meet me on the roof, and I'll introduce you to one of them. So I think the next scene is them going to the roof or is it, is there a little scene in between? I guess it doesn't really matter, but it's more of like, there's lots of scenes of Billy being like, where's Freddie? And it's just like, Freddie's doing his own thing. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's just him being like sad about it. Right. We're know. missing something here. Yeah. We're missing something here. Cause it doesn't go straight to them on the rooftop. There's another scene. Maybe it's the scene where he's like walking around with the, the police scanner because is there the other Maybe. needle drop here where it's sabotage? You're right. It is. And I was, and I was like, <laughs> oh, can't stand it. I know you're playing it. I was like, this, this was a studio mandate, guaranteed. They were like, we gotta have some popular songs in this fucking movie. So, needle drop sabotage. I need a hero. Yeah. Anyway. I don't recall. I've only seen it once. It happened Fucking somewhere in here. Sue me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> Anne, Anne meets with Freddie on the roof of the school. Yeah. And 
this is when Hesper and Calypso show up, and they're like, that's when he realizes that the jig is up and that maybe she's in cahoots with these goddesses. He's not entirely sure what's going on here. He was showing off his Adam Brody body to her earlier, and he's being like, hey, I'm Captain Every Power. And uh, she is acting like very sus. And uh, she's also acting like a moron, too, because he's like, oh, I'm going to call my superhero friend. Don't look at me behind this wall. And then pff, lightning. Well, she knows it's him, right? She doesn't know that Freddy is Mr. Captain Everything. Oh, she that's doesn't... right, because they they hold him hostage to ask who the other – oh, my God. What a She idiot. doesn't know. And she's like, I'm just curious. When <laughs> is Freddy going to come know. back? <laughs> Scotty doesn't know. She's like, when's Freddy coming back? And I, me in the theater, I'm like – are you fucking? Are you? Are you really? Like he's he's yeah. in the body of that Adam Brody. He's, he's in there. He's that man child. <laughs> he is that man. And also, shout out to Adam Brody. Um, I feel like he's not in enough stuff. I like Adam Brody. I do too. He's great. He's very charming. The scene where they're on the bridge earlier that we already talked about, where he's got the two hot girls at the end, and he's like, "I'm Captain Every Power," and that's Captain Every Power Junior. And then he like speeds off. Is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, there's some things that are objectively like very charming in this movie sure. and it just is a shame that they wasted such a large ensemble cast on, on some stupid stuff totally by cutting time and giving it to other things anyway so hespera and calypso steal freddy's powers with the wizard staff right and their whole premise is that they are trying to reclaim powers that were originally stolen from the gods we will find out what this means a little bit later but they essentially depower him and finds out that it's Freddy. As Zach said, she didn't know until this moment. She is see now she's freaking out because she's Freddy. like, Oh, this this poor innocent boy uh is now caught up in my scheme. The rest of uh well actually wait, then Diedrich Bader shows up. Totally unprompted, comes to the roof of the, of the He school. was definitely going up there to masturbate or smoke a J, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> He had his dick in his hand when he he's opened like, up that oh, door, and he's Jesus. like, "He's <laughs> like, Freddy, what's going on here? I mean," and then he like looks at the older, he looks at Helen Mirren, and he's like, "Hello, Doctor, what do we have here?" Well, hello there. Um, he comes up, notices something's going on. He's like, "Freddy, are you in trouble?" Calypso does the mind control thing, makes him walk off the roof. Horrifying, terrifying. And she follows this up by saying, "I forgot what they sound like when they." like explode like grapes and i was like ew i was like this is fucked up yeah it's so it, dark it's super this is why it's not a family movie zach levi you be a fucking dummy <laughs> yeah and there's moments like this that happen up where i'm like i'm like jesus god in heaven was there anything the only thing i can think of that was as just maybe like jarring like that in the first shazam was like the conference room scene remember that yes i remember the conference room scene that is definitely the darkest thing in that movie for sure but even that is like mostly obscured yeah, with the frosted glass. Yeah. And but I don't know. This was Except this the was only thing that's brutal. not obscured in that conference room scene is where he just fucking yeets his brother yeah. out the window. <laughs> He's just like that yeah. guy just fucking gets tossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this that was insanely dark. And like shout out to Jack Dylan Grazer. He acts the fucking socks off of everybody in this scene with his reaction to seeing that, which is genuinely horrifying, and they never bring it up again. So I guess that guy didn't mean that much to him besides saving him one time. I don't know. I nope. was like, what a waste. Where's the Diedrich Memorial? Where's yeah. the Diedrich <laughs> Memorial? I Release kept thinking the, the same Vader thing. cut. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what? and that's the other thing too, is that why use him? Like why use Diedrich Bader for that 
moment. And I think it's because like people like him. He's a likable looking guy with like, a likable character actor in history. Sure. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. It's really sinister. I would say like, if that move, if that scene came at uh, like at a point later in the movie, after we had time to establish a relationship between him and Freddie and maybe even some of the other kids that are kind of like misfits and he's like king of the misfits and then he dies. That's emotional weight right there. Like that's that's your Phil Coulson dying that gets you guys together to do something. Maybe he's feeling conflicted about Billy. Maybe he talks to Diedrich Bader about this. Maybe he talks about this girl that he's in love with that doesn't know Who's how to express these feelings. Goddess. Yeah. And then sure. she ends up kind of being his demise. But it just happens like that. And there's no room to care in my heart. <laughs> yeah. Really strange. Well, while this is happening, the family, who is also at school this day, uh, come up to save Freddy. Um, but the daughters of Atlas kind of like take him away. And as Shazam is flying after them, they create a giant bubble over the city of Philadelphia and seal everybody inside. What did you think about the bubble? <laughs> uh, this was ripped straight out of the Simpsons movie. So the Simpsons fucking did it in 2000 and what, seven? And yeah. Have you seen the Simpsons movie, the live? Of the, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. The the Simpsons stole it from the bottled city of Candor from DC Comics, but that's besides the point. Anyway, Way to polish your nerd boner. Yeah, what is this place it. called? The polished city of Candor. The bottled city of Candor, which is uh, General Zod's homeworld, is a city that was shrunken down to fit in a bottle, and it's kept on Brainiac's ship. It's a Kryptonian race that's still alive, but it exists within a bottle. Well, how about that? <laughs> That's a cool-looking comic cover. Hold yeah. on, I'm going to pull this up. Please. Love this is the, cool. Love me some Bottled City of Candor. Paperback, $55.40. What do you think about that? Is that worth it? Fucking sick, dog. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, look at that zoom. Thanks, Amazon. Look at that. Shit, son. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, bottled city, dome city, they're trapping people inside. Does it look like Superman's about to fuck that city? <laughs> <laughs> Zip, and all the sounds are, no! about to boost the bottled city of Candor. <laughs> uh, all right. Jeez. Where were we? Um, <laughs> so the, the daughters, after they seal everybody in the city, they take Freddy back to their... Um, their god's realm area where the wizard's imprisoned and this is where i would like to say the best sequence of the movie occurs for me which is this this team up in prison of the wizard and freddy because these two guys have some pretty fun scene chemistry together totally i think jaiman hunsu and and jack dylan grazer play off of each other really well it's very funny especially when he like mimic mocks him was like and you know what i mean it's just like it was fun to see him do the beaker thing um so it's fun to see that that hijinks specifically, but they tell him that uh, the wizard killed their dad, Atlas, and stole all the powers of the gods and Atlas, which they are as follows. The wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, stamina of Atlas, power of Zeus, courage of Achilles, and speed of Mercury. If you take the first letters of all of those god names, you spell something else that we'll find out a little bit later on. It's just him. He spells Shazam. 
It's very Thanks. consistent. <laughs> anyway, while this is happening, the family is trying to research these these daughters of Atlas at the Rock of Eternity. So they find the library in one of the doors because Eugene had been exploring all the doors all summer. And they encounter uh, one of the best characters of this movie, the sentient pen, Steve, uh, who works at the at the library and draws pictures and writes things down for them so they can figure things out. Um, which and is I was exactly I just told you, which is all the different powers that spell Shazam. And he realizes it and pieces it together. And this is another moment where Zach Levi is just playing up the dumbness where he can't pronounce the name Solomon for the rest of the movie. The he wisdom of Solo Man. Solo Man or Saruman, as he says later on in the movie, which is probably one of the moments that you laughed, I'm assuming. No, I was like, easy, 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 too <laughs> put easy. Some re- put some respect on Saruman's name. <coughs> Jesus. Oh, sorry. We both took a sip at the same time. No, it's okay. <laughs> Audio. Um, it's, everyone needs a moment every now and then to just relax, especially when we're talking about Steve. Sure. Um, Here's what I was thinking while this scene was happening. I was thinking, like, I wonder if they were like, okay, no one's buying Shazam action figures or whatever. I wonder if we can monetize a pen. How can we monetize a pen? Can we sell a Funko of a pen? Name it Steve. Do you think we can sell that? Yeah, we can sell that. (laughs) Did you like Steve the pen or nah? The joke was not super funny and then funny again when she was reading the letter on the throne and then it became not funny again when he's dictating in the thing and i was like every joke in this movie is used like one too many times like yeah it's it's yeah the comedy in this movie is just like not it doesn't work most of the time i only laughed a handful of times yeah well they they discover that the wizard took all the powers as well. They just explained this to Freddie, and now the family is discovering it as well. Their plan is to write a letter to Hespera to try to draw up a piece of chords, which is a scene that you were literally just talking about, where they're going to propose a peace offering. Billy goes to this realm to propose the peace offering, and, oh wait, no, not at the realm. Sorry, this is the scene where they meet in Philly at the cheesesteaks stand where billy and helen Mirren are sitting yeah that's already here holy shit yeah so they're sitting there and he is essentially he sent the peace offering as a trap his whole point is that he's gonna convince her to uh sit there for a little bit until he says the word it's all about family and then his family's supposed to swoop in and come and kick their ass but lucy lou shows up with the dragon and you know all hell breaks loose um pretty crazy I guess before this, we also missed a scene where they were going to fry Jaiman Hunsu and Freddy with the dragon. And uh, Anne has a change of heart and uses her mirror dimension abilities to move them somewhere else so that they don't get uh, destroyed by the dragon. But Which I, I thought that the mirror dimension powers looked cool. Yes. Um, Doctor Strange, motherfucker. Doctor Strange style powers. <laughs> I'm sure that you and Tahir were loving that. Maybe it was like... <laughs> Yeah. Tripping you up a little bit. I was like, whoa. (laughs) It was Um, more of like the, all the Jaiman Hunzu stuff was just killing me. That was, that was my funny bone was being tickled by that for sure. He was great. And him at the end, I can't wait to talk about that. But um, this scene, I I, I liked this scene. I thought it was like kind of fun and, and like a little bit more 
energetic than most of the movie up to this point. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Like they're planning like the sting. They have a different family members coming in. They're going to try and fight Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. And, uh, but they ruined that one joke. They, I've seen that joke in every trailer. The it's like, I've seen every fast and the furious movie lady. And it's all about family. Can you imagine how that would have played if you just didn't know that joke was coming? It'd be amazing. That's like one of the only jokes in the movie. That's like kind of cleverly written. That yeah. they they don't they just blew it they blew their load in the trailer, um, something I, we haven't really touched on here. I mean, we briefly kind of touched about it, but how did you feel about Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu? That's a great question. I really like Helen Mirren as an actress. You know, I'm in the bag on the Fast and the Furious movies. I'm in the bag on the Queen. I'm in the bag on 1923. She's great. Uh, Red, I fuck with. National Treasure Two, Book of Secrets, I fuck with. Whoa, she's in that. I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she just doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie. But I think, like, they're both competently fine actors. They just don't have – they don't have, like, dialogue that they get to say that is impactful. I um, thought Helen Mirren was serviceable. She has one moment coming up that I actually really liked. But Lucy Liu I thought was terrible. I thought she was yeah. screaming every line and, Duh. like, ah! <laughs> Like there was no subtlety to her performance at all, and she clearly looked like she did not want to be there. Yeah, big paycheck for her though. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I wonder how much these actors made for this fucking movie. A lot. Well, we should say that the sting goes awry, and Pedro loses his powers now too. So Freddy's depowered, Pedro's depowered. They're charging up the staff to get all these powers back, but Hespera is captured in the fight. That's Helen Mirren's character. She gets taken back to the Rock of Eternity. They only offer her the lemon Skittles, which I don't think is a punishment. If I was her, I'd be like, thank you. This is great. Best flavor. <laughs> Good treatment for prison. Um, and as they go to talk about what they're going to do with her, she just breaks out and steals this golden apple from the Rock of Eternity. So it was a trap. She wanted to be caught Joker style in the Dark Knight. They wanted me to take what back to the What an original concept. I know. <laughs> what an And... Also, just to know because I think I've said it. said he'd fill me with bright lights like Christmas. <laughs> just because I don't think I've said it yet on this pod, but um, yeah. I think Darla is the best version of young actor of the kid actor to the adult actor. She's the yeah, most Megan, believable. Megan Good is really good. Is really great as the adult Darla. Yeah, I uh, like her. Quite and then young Darla, I think is is adorable. I think she's hilarious. Oh, she's awesome. She's just as likable in this as she is in that. Which is funny that they gave her the product placement line. <laughs> I, I mean, she delivered it like a fucking to a T. <laughs> sure. That scene is, if you want to talk about like someone, someone's high brain just completely crumbling. Oh my just god! As soon as they said taste the rainbow, I was like, <laughs> the the chasms opened up to me. It was it was insane. Um. Anyway, so Hespera takes this apple and she goes back to the God's realm. And apparently the apple has two different things. It could birth the tree of life with its seed. So can my seed. Hey, uh, <laughs> and Calypso wants to plant it on Earth to destroy Earth as revenge because that's where the wizard is from, I guess. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. It's where the Whereas, champion is. I don't think it's as much to do with the wizard. I think he was just like. Yeah, but they didn't steal the powers. The champions just have the powers now. So are she just jealous that they were given to somebody else? 
They should be planting it on the Wizards' home world if they wanted real revenge, but that's besides the point. Anywho, <laughs> Hesperia and Anne do not want to plant it on Earth. They just want to use its tree of life potential to revitalize their world that was destroyed when all the power was taken from it. Freddy is able to sneak by them and steal the apple, but he's caught in the moment. And Shazam shows up by distracting them with a flaming violin, which is from the comics, um, which is kind of funny. And I actually genuinely thought that that scene was pretty good, too, where the <laughs> where they just keep talking about like nobody knows that that's for. It's just there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what is it? It's just a flaming violin. It's just a, it's just this weird magical thing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> don't ask so many questions <laughs> comic books um and then in this scuffle billy is able to get the staff and get freddy his powers back so that's pretty cool so we can get some some uh captain every power they also didn't say quite yet like we haven't gotten uh, up to this point i'm like we're not, about to reach the third be- act which is not much to say so like we're running out of like things for me to actually like specify it's about to happen so well but up to this point in the movie i'm like this movie's okay like i'm not loving it but i'm also not like i don't despise it quite yet let's see if they stick the landing yeah <laughs> but they don't um so Billy and the Shazamly are able to get the wizard also. And they go back to Philly. They go back to their home. And this is the scene where everybody reveals their identities. And uh, Pedro reveals that he is gay in we a know. joke that is um, – is it supposed to be a joke or is it supposed to be sentimental? I couldn't tell. That's what honestly. I don't know. I think it's – I think it's supposed to be played <laughs> played for laughs. Yeah. Because the moment know. is like, I'm blah, 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 and I'm gay. And it's like, you're, I think you're supposed to laugh at that. And then when the family goes, yeah, we know. Then you're supposed to go, aw. But yeah. I'm sitting in the theater and I'm like, I don't know. This is a little, this is a little much for me. I don't know. <laughs> I think right. that you could have done this in a more uh, emotional sort of way. Like, if this is his character, like, I, I don't know. I just... Oof, I don't know. That's a whole can of worms. I don't know if we need to dive on into that bad boy, but it's yeah. like, I don't know. To me, it felt it's a little hollow. It felt like kind of a devaluing of of that as a character trait. Like, definitely, just didn't feel didn't feel authentic. It felt like it was being played more for like, haha, look at this character. Like, you wouldn't expect that he's gay, but he's gay. Why? What emotion <laughs> do we get from that? Like, I just want a gif of you going why <laughs> that was hilarious uh yeah no i totally agree with you it just it if they 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 need to treat it sentimentally but they don't instead they try to wrap it up in a sequence that's kind of played for laughs which is the wrong tone for something like that yeah totally again you you hit the nail on the head earlier you're like it seemed very like 2005 anywho while they were escaping the realm to go back to the house, they did get the apple for the tree of life. But after they have their heartfelt moment and they all revealed their identities, and this is the part where um, what's his name? What's the dad's name? Um, oh god, I've got IMDb. Hold please. Uh, Victor. Victor, Rosa, and Victor. Okay, uh, Victor is like one of the things that got me was where he was like. 
Is this why uh, lightning keeps striking the house, which I thought was pretty good? Yeah. Because earlier cute. in the movie, the electrician's visiting. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. Lightning keeps striking the house and blowing the transformer, which one I did my, think was pretty good. One of the subtle jokes in the movie where I was like, oh, that was a subtle, funny joke that I like that they didn't call attention to is at the very end of the movie. He's doing he's do, like putting up the cross stitch and he's like, respect the cross stitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, That's pretty cool. That's clever. He's a good character. Him and Rosa are both. I think they they casted those people very well. They, yeah. Can they, we uh just for a hot minute? Can we talk about Marta Milan? Oh my God, could we good ever? <laughs> Lord, this woman oh, is gorgeous. Yeah. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah, great. I, I liked her a lot in the movie. I thought that like she's not given much to do with, just like the rest of the fucking cast in this goddamn movie. But like sure. for what she does, I actually thought that she's like she's pretty good. <laughs> I really yeah. liked her. I, I can't think of anything else. You could I've say heard. that she is in the emotional crux scene of the movie that they sure. intended for, which is her and Billy talking, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, no, she she is fantastic. I was big a uh, big fan, big fan. Call me Marta. Call and she has again. There's multiple <laughs> multiple jokes in this movie, which I was sure you would appreciate about kids like wanting to be with older women. And oh, I, yeah. was, I was getting some real Wonder Woman 84 vibes from all those moments. And I was like, I don't know if this is why do we keep going back to this? Well, is Peter Safran just horny for MILFs? I think this is a Jeff Johns thing. Jeff Johns is horny for MILFs. Yeah. Yeah. Because he created the Shazam in comics. Like the Shazam family up until the mid 2000s was just Freddie, Mary and Captain Marvel. Yeah. And then Jeff Johns created Eugene, Darla, Victor, Rosa, all the people, and created the idea of Freddy living in the foster home. The entire first Shazam movie is based off of his comics run. Now I want to watch the fact that. that it, you need to, because remember, I told you not to because it was going to spoil Black Adam. Guess what? Didn't. So you should just read it. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Didn't. That's funny. Um, anyway, so after this, this quote-unquote heartfelt moment uh lucy lou shows up and just absolutely fucking uh deckard shop bombs this house with a dragon gets the apple splits up the family takes a lot of their powers in this fight tries to kill her own sister while freddie is like trying to hold back the blast everyone except for billy is depowered by the end of this fight it's this big cross city fight with all kinds of shit going on and Honestly, it's just like happening. You know what I mean? Um, have the creatures emerged yet? Have we? Have, has no, this happened? Not yet. Almost. Okay. Uh, actually, like right now. So then, <laughs> so then she takes the apple and she plants it in fucking Citizens Bank Park. Shout out Phillies. R.I.P. Uh, sorry, you guys didn't win the World Series. Maybe that. Maybe next year. And <laughs> I can't believe the the finale of this movie takes place in a baseball park. It's crazy. It's hilarious. DC DC Comics, they love sports. They what love what the if sports. the when can we get a DCEU movie? Can we, James Gunn, can we get a DCU movie set in Tropicana Field, please? Do it for my boy. He needs this. Oh my god, Booster Gold would totally live in Tampa, Florida. That that should be the thing. He's just like a diehard Rays fan. <laughs> Lives next to like meth houses and shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out and go deep sea fishing with my boy this weekend. We're going to pound some brews. We got some twisted teas. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they plant the Tree of Life in Citizens Bank Park. Calypso is again launching her plan that is going to destroy the world. Uh, Hespera and Athena are really pissed about this, and 
fucking Helen Mirren gets mortally stabbed by like a root of the tree. So she's down for the count or so we think she just lives the rest of the movie while she's stabbed. It's pretty wild. She gets anyway. gored through the fucking through the chest. Gored through the chest. Again, another moment where it's like, yeesh. Like, if you're going for kids' movie, I don't know if this is necessarily the the moment. And then boy does all hell break loose here in about a minute or two. Yeah, it's nuts. And then in the process of this, she also depowers Athena. So Athena's just a regular, regular West Side story gal. After planting the tree of life. All these roots spring across Philly and all these bubbles start to pop out of the roots and out of the bubbles come all these mythological beasts from Greek mythology. We got fucking minotaurs, cyclopses, um, uh, uh, centaurs, scorpion things, manticores, fucking mandrakes, hippogriffs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Zach, is this where the movie lost you? This is where the movie lost me. This is the exact moment I I pinpointed in my brain while I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm like, I don't like this movie. I don't like where this is going, and I don't like any of this. And A, it starts by doing one of my least favorite things in movies, okay? She puts the thing – hey? Sky beams. Sky beams. I don't like sky beams, but she puts the thing in the dirt. The roots start going out crazy. We get the city of Philadelphia is all crazy and vined out or whatever, but then there's – a woman that's like scurrying along the ground, running away from these vines that are sharp as nails. They're going to fucking gore into her body. And she's like, she's doing the thing that I hate in movies where it's like, just get, get the run the other direction or whatever. Like you could scoot over to the side or whatever, but she backs up to a car and just gets ready to let these things impale her slowly in the worst death possible. And then they don't instead she stands up and then walks precariously close to oozing bubbling pest in the fucking ground. What person in their right mind does this and hangs around in this situation? You be the fuck out and you run as fast as you possibly can to some place where you're not looking at these things. There are people that are living. There's people that are living in this apocalypse. The Shazam family is able to walk down the street and they're not getting gored. So what are these people doing? They're just running along the streets. They're like, they're like, they're just waving their arms running around. I'm like, get to shelter. What do you do? Run away. They, they just stand there. She stands there and looks at this thing like the doctors at the Doc Ock scene in Spider-Man 2 when the things are just coming at him or whatever. It's seems like awesome. That seems awesome. But like this, I'm like, wow, this is just <laughs> awful. And then, yeah, that, that woman gets speared right in the gut and then thrown about 50 feet back into a window. And I was like, Jesus, this is fucking violent. And then yeah. like you're watching people get picked up. David F. Sandberg's cameo is he's the one that's running that gets picked up by the pterodactyl. Literally the same bit from Jurassic World. Literally the same bit. He gets t- picked up about 50 feet and dropped under the fucking grass. So he's dead. Um, but yeah, this whole moment, I was just like, I don't. I, the minute they look, the minotaurs look terrible. The creatures look terrible. This is all just, just brutal. I was not. I didn't like any of this. Yeah. Rant over. I mean, you're right. Because the only thing, the only reason why this exists is so that everybody that's not Billy has something to fight while he's off doing the final boss, which we're gonna get to in a second. Gotta um, have side action. All of the family gathers on a parking garage as the city's going to shit. And Billy is the only one with powers left. And he is like, I'm leaving. He's like, I'm done with this shit. Fuck this shit. I'm out. 
he asks the wizard to take his powers back so that the wizard can go solve it. And and this is a scene that I actually really enjoy, which is Jaiman Huntsu being like, you're the champion that I chose. You're the one that's most worthy of having these powers. I know you can do this. And then Billy has his heart to heart with Rosa where he was worried about aging out. And she tells him that like, no matter how old you are, you'll always have a home with us. And like, we're a family We're we're going to get through this together. And it's the emotional uplift that he needs so that he can shazam himself and Asher Andrews out for the rest of the movie. And, uh, <laughs> fucking Zach Levi goes off to take on Calypso with the staff from the, the real quick. The moment that I like here in their exchange is she's like, can I see like my son? Yeah. She's like, before good. you go, I want to see my boy. And then he turns back into Asher Angel for one of his very rare cameos in this movie. And then they get to like have a little, a hug and a heart to heart. And I was like, this was, this was okay. The The movie needed more of this. Whatever this feeling I was feeling was in my cold, dead heart, the movie needed more of this. Yeah. Um. So then Billy goes off to fight Lucy Liu on the dragon. Lucy and the dragon with time. <laughs> Uh, this is the scene in the trailer where he's like, I just threw a card of dragon. I love my life. Or maybe that was earlier. I don't really know. I do want to bring it up, though, because I don't think that, a, is that line in the movie? Maybe, maybe not. Dude, I you, think they might have cut that line. I think that line barking is up the trailer. wrong tree there. Kimosabe. All I know is that in that <laughs> sequence, after he throws the car, there's a guy that says, like, good job, yep. Captain Marvel. And that is the actor yep. from the TV show that used to play Shazam, which I thought was really cool. And cool. he's wearing the same sweater. So how they got away with that. I have no idea. Probably the same way that in the Eternals they made a Superman and a Batman reference. So I think they just kind of like they swap jokes. It's fine. Do you think there was? Why can't they both be called Captain Marvel? You know what? I don't want to get into that right now. Sorry, I'm trying to finish this plot. We can talk about it another time. (laughs) I hate the name Shazam. I just want to say that real quick. I I don't like that. I don't like that. That's his superhero name and how he gets his powers. That would be like Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, being called Flame on. Huh. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> I just think that <laughs> – Jesus, okay, I will. I'll think about it. Um, think about it. <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, you just can't – you can't have a superhero named after – I mean, like, if Marvel Comics was never a thing, then you just have two competing franchises. I think you're ultimately going to draw confusion. I just – Dummies. They won that court case, right? Marvel won the court case or, D, or DC did? Marvel. Oh. They won the rights to the name Captain Marvel because their comic publishing corporation is called Marvel Comics. So it just makes more sense that the person with the name Marvel would be slotted in Marvel. Well, I tell you even what. Though, even though Billy Batson, Captain Marvel, was around for 20 to 30 years before Carol Danvers and Marvel ever appeared in comics. Hmm. It was weird. I'll just say this. Eventually, we are going to get a awesome 10-part HBO docuseries about the age of superhero movies, chronicling from, like, the X-Men movies in the 2000s all the way through the MCU and, like, now what we're living in, which is the post-MCU, Disney conglomeration era, James Gunn's DC Universe, like, all this stuff. The last 20 years of cinema has drastically changed, drastically changed, and superheroes have been a big part of it. Comic books have been a big part of it. I'll be curious to know if somewhere someone has a good answer as to why a better answer than just, oh, they won the lawsuit because it makes more sense they, they're attached with Marvel. 
but we may not know that for a long time. That's just, I mean, the lawsuit was like 30 years ago. It's just the way it is. Oh, well. Back to the movie. Back to your regularly scheduled broadcast. Back to something less interesting than a, our conversation. <laughs> right. So Billy's fighting Calypso, and uh, the, sh- the the Shazam family asks the wizard how they can stop all these monsters, and he said they need the King of the Beasts, which is the unicorn, uh, which Darla's very excited about. They find unicorns, and they look like fucking thestrals with horns on their heads. They're terrifying. And well, Jamin Hansu's all... like, you don't want to fuck with the unicorn, bitch. They're fucking terrifying or whatever. They're the most diabolical He's like, they can only that. be tamed with ambrosia, which is the nectar of the gods. And uh, Darla is able to get the unicorns to work with them by offering up Skittles, which is the closest that they have to ambrosia, she says. The scene goes as follows. As follows. <laughs> Family standing in the street. Unicorns are charging at them from a dark parking garage. Last second, Darla throws a handful of Skittles into the air. They scatter on the ground. Unicorns sniff them. They're like, oh, it smells good. And she goes, taste the rainbow. (laughs) And I lost it. I was literally like, this cannot be happening right now, but it is. It happened. What do you think about this? (laughs) (laughs) You cutting your throat? I'm Tony Collette and fucking hereditary when this whole scene's <laughs> happening here because I was like, I, I, I just get me out of this theater. I couldn't believe it. This is honestly one of the most egregious uses of product placement I think I've ever seen in a major motion picture. Maybe, maybe the worst since I'm literally in a Papa John's. <laughs> is that which one's worse? This might be worse because this is literally this a is plot worse point. because the Papa John's one I genuinely laughed at. This I was like, what? I couldn't it, believe it. I couldn't believe it while it was happening. I was like, really? If you would have told me that the Shazam Fury of the Gods movie was actually a giant commercial for Skittles, I'd believe you after I saw the scene. <laughs> like, who owns Skittles? Is it Nestle? No, I think they're their own thing. No, Skittles owner. Big Candy Company. Mars, by- Mars Inc. Oh, so, so M&M's. Gotcha. Mars Candy. So, uh, yeah, but like Mars probably did buy. I mean, think about it. They say Skittles... Once in the beginning with – twice in the beginning between Darla and Mary, then again in the cave at the rock, then again here, and then again here in a minute. That's six name – like five or six name drops for Skittles. They show the product three or four different times, and yeah. they show it commercial style like they would shoot a Taco Bell commercial with like the lettuce and cheese flying everywhere. Yeah. Like, this was this was like a bridge too far for me. I couldn't believe that this was in the fucking movie. And you know what? It worked because you know what I had last night while I was playing uh, while I was playing some music and, and working. Skittles. <laughs> this episode of Radiovania is brought to you by Skittles. Taste the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> What's your favorite Skittles commercial? My oh, God. Um. Besides this. I mean, they were all vers- variations of the same fucking concept. The one I remember the most is like the two people sitting on the rainbow. Mm. My favorite is the guy. That oh, has bears the and cream. Oh, bears, my- bears and cream. Bears and cream. My favorite is the guy that has the skittle stuck to his face, and someone plucks it off and eats it. And he's like, "This isn't contagious, right?" And he's like. No, and he looks away as the person starts sprouting Skittles, and the tagline is contract the rainbow, taste the rainbow. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, it always gets me. Anyway, we got to get through this, man. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> so 
they got the unicorns. They're charging down monsters. They're literally impaling minotaurs with unicorns. As Darla shouts, taste the rainbows, motherfucker. Um, yeah, I my I, theater I, loved I that. Did yours? No. Well, there was like nobody in my theater. And also <laughs> the kids didn't nobody, go. Yeah, there was nobody in my theater and the kids were silent at this point. Like none of this action at the end was like engaging to them at all. Like and I'm pretty sure they were, the like mom, streaming. They're streaming like Twitch. I think they were playing Minecraft. <laughs> Just yeah. out. No, I think I think the mom was probably not super thrilled about that, too, because there's a lot of curse words that come up in the last this 30 minutes of this movie. out, though, right? Well, this one tastes the rainbow mother foot, and then it's like cut out. But like still, that's that's not really parents don't want that sh- hear that shit. Yeah, kids don't know what that means, though, until they're older. Like one time somebody tricked me into saying fuck and I didn't know what it meant. And then they're like, fuck, fuck, I was fuck. like, do you want to hear the story? This is yeah. a great story. No, We're gonna, fuck it. We're going to sidebar. Put a time code on this one because this one's great. So I'm six or seven years old. This is in Hawaii. I'm hanging out with the local neighborhood ruffians. This is after I shit in the kid's playhouse, which I told Zach on a separate occasion. We'll put a pin in that story. We'll come back to the the shit in the playhouse story. We'll come back to that one on the next episode. And they were trying to get me to say it. They're like, hey, say duck, but with an F instead of a D. And I was like, all right, fuck. And they were like, oh. And I was like, I don't get it. They're like, just tell your parents when you get home. Oh, God. I was like, okay. Went home. Mom's making mac and cheese. <laughs> we sit down for a family dinner. Shelby's a baby. Oh, no. So it's just me and my parents and Shelby. My mom's like feeding Shelby like fucking baby food or whatever. And I was like, they're like, what were you doing? And I was like, I was just playing with the kids across the street. And they're like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, they told me to tell you guys something. And they were like, what? I was like, they said that I should tell you guys fuck. And <laughs> my, my mom was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I like freaked out because I was like, why? And they're like, Jonathan, that is a bad word. And I was like, I didn't know. And they're like, no, we know. It's not your fault. They tricked you. And I was like, yeah. And like, I explained why and like how. And so they were like, I was like, well, what does it mean? And they're uh. like, we're not going to tell you. Just don't say it anymore. It's really bad, like really bad. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm thinking it's like the N word. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. be bad. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that you knew that word at that. How old were you? Six or seven. Six or seven. Okay. Used to spend a lot of time in Mississippi. I know. I know about that bad word. Uh, anyway, that sounded so hard. By the way, it's That's awful. A, <laughs> you were just like you just. I spent a lot of time in Mississippi. I spent a lot of time. <laughs> I was wrong. So anyway, that's the first time that I said and found out that it was a bad word. I then found out what it meant, uh, you know, much later in life. But and Darla knows motherfucker, which is like, yeah, twice as bad because I know, you're she's implying... probably my age, if not younger. So like that should show you how society society's degraded. You know what I mean? Mm. Darla Great. seems relatively innocent, though. She's playing with like uh, dolls. She's playing with toys and dolls yeah. and using her imagination. Like I'd be fine with having a kid like her. You should. <laughs> right. I want to see. I want to have a podcast where you talk to Darla, the character. <laughs> That's a great. Put Darla. That what do you think about Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> he seems okay, I guess. <laughs> I like him. Does he like red skittles? <laughs> Is so that funny. the director that likes feet? Um, I would <laughs> put, put this in the back pocket. One of these episodes, we got to do like a. Uh, 
like a we could do it as a bracket or a draft or whatever, but it would be like top five like celebrities or whatever that you would want to like like have a conversation with or something like that. We have we done that? The yet? other person though. Huh? I said I said we should pick it for the other person though. So like I draft characters or people for you to talk to. Right. Okay. Just like you and Emma Stone. That's like my first oh my pick. God. I just want to see how you get through that conversation without just popping off. I rewatched La La Land the other night, by the way. So Ooh. good. Still yeah. still so good. Still um, a banger. Still a banger, by the way. Should but be. yeah. But that's besides the point. That was quite the tangent. <sighs> Welcome back to DCEU. Interview. Should we finish this movie? I think we should. Okay, so. Fucking hell. Billy's fighting. <laughs> Billy's fighting Lucy Liu. He's not necessarily winning. He sees Helen Mirren laying on the ground. She's still alive. He's like, help me out. She's like, okay. She no, shrinks no, 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 the no. bubble. This is a moment that I actually liked because he's like, oh, lightning or whatever. And he's like, clear. And then hits her with the lightning. And I was and I was like, this is funny. He's just going to shock this corpse. But then the bit that I laughed at was that she woke up and she was like, shit or whatever. And she was like, oh, just let me go to the underworld in peace. And I was like, that's a Helen Mirren line right there. I was like, I like that line. <laughs> yeah. Helen Mirren. What a treasure. Class act. Anyway, so the, Has, she shrinks. Sorry, the, one more thing. Has um, Anthea <laughs> lost her powers yet? Yes. That's happened. Okay. Yeah, I already mentioned that before the uh, the fuck tangent. Got it. You're good. Just making sure. Because there's yeah. a scene that I really hate where she's like wandering through like the streets and they're like so not that far. They're not that far apart from each other. And she's he's like, Anne, Anne. And she's like, did she lose her hearing too? Did I she fucking she lose her have. hearing with yeah. all of the powers? God damn it. That was earlier too before the before the unicorn. Okay. Good point. Good point. Because that led to the dragon almost blowing them to bits because uh-huh. he went off to save her and then Billy Billy rerouted the dragon. And then uh and shrinks the bubble. And Billy goes out and talks to the family. And he's like, I can go in there and overload with my lightning. And it'll fry everything that's in there, including the tree, which will stop the spread of this this uh, monster infection. And they're like, don't do it. You know, this will cost you your life. And he goes off and does it anyway to Freddie and Rosa and the rest of the family's chagrin. Pretty cool scene where he's like, it's all like darkly lit and he comes in. It's just the lightning bolt that you could see. I thought that that looked pretty sick. Um, But he comes in, Lucy says something stupid and then he flies off and they charge at each other as he's overloading the staff causing a mondo explosion that fries everything in the dome mondo explosion (laughs) um something i something i thought was interesting here and i was curious to know your take on it did it not look like his because he makes a comment where he's like oh i didn't know that my suit could even burn like this or whatever but in this scene at the end when it's like all fried and black i was like he looks like black adam i was like are is he is he going to turn into Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson or something? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> if he says Shazam twice in a row, he changes from uh, Asher Angel to Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, but that's not Don't, a thing, right? At no point does Shazam turn into Black Adam or their suits. The color of their suits do not necessarily have any correlation. Correct. Got it. Yep. Teth Adam, Billy Batson, both champions of the wizard, different people. They both have to say Shazam to turn into superheroes or super beings. One is named Black Adam and the other is named Captain Marvel or Shazam. It's like a Naboo thing where it's like the planet's Naboo. The people that live there are the Naboo. The town is called Naboo. It's just like all Naboo. You know what I mean? I don't know. 
When you're taking off a girl's top, you're like, can I touch your naboobs? Can I touch the naboobies? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice job. Well done, Zachary. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm delirious. <laughs> yeah, we're almost done. Billy is fucking fried. Hesper acknowledges that Billy is a true god, but then she succumbs to her wounds and fades off to the to the underworld. The family's really sad. He's dead. I actually thought he was like dead, dead. I was like, damn. So this is why he's not in the DCU. This is the last movie. Like, noble sacrifice. They fucking chewy. They fucking Chewbacca us, man. Well, I, and I was like, bold move. I liked it. I was like, wow. To kill your character and whatever. And I was like, this actually makes his sacrifice like pretty interesting. And it's also like, well, what are you going to do? We obviously know that this character is not really going to be coming back. Or is he? I don't know what's going on with him. But it's like, I don't know. I I hate that shit so much. Like the false sacrifice, it just bothers the shit out of me. Yeah. Because I, I actually do think that that scene is really done well, too, in terms of acting where like, Especially Jack Dylan Grazier is like he's screaming at his corpse where he's like, wake up, wake up. Like, you can't you can't leave me here and stuff like that. It's just like it was really actually impactful. I was like, wow, like they're actually fucking they're going to do this thing. Like, I'm digging this. Like, it's sad, obviously, but like, you know, they're they're making a bold decision, which, as we know, in comic book movies rarely happens unless you're Logan or the Dark Knight. Not the case here, because. <sighs> And Thea brings Billy and the family to the gods realm, and they're going to bury Billy in the graveyard there. And um, they're really sad about it, and they're like, if only there was another way. And Jaimon Huntsu's like, yeah, my staff could bring him back to life, but there's no magic in it left, and there's no magical beings left that can supercharge my staff, which I guess is a thing that can happen because – Okay. Because reasons. Okay. Um. And then we hear a, there is one magical person. <laughs> Hold on, was, before you start, like, before oh you start, my. I need a refill because I'm about to get pissed. Yeah, <sighs> and again, like before, while you're filling that up, I'm just going to say, I absolutely hated this whole, I absolutely hated this whole bit here with, the, with Jaiman Hatsu that saying like, I cannot rebuild my staff. There was only a handful of magical beings that could do so and they're all gone. And I'm like, except for one. I was like, who is who is? It's like the game show. It's like, how dumb are they? How it's like, I'm so dumb. How dumb it's, are they? <laughs> it's like that. You know what it reminded me of? It's like, who's that Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> who's that magic user? <laughs> it's Galgado. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> All right, get pissed. Get get going. I, I want to yeah, see. Yeah. So there is one magical person left. Who comes out of fucking nowhere? <laughs> just out of nowhere. Literally. From out thin air. of nowhere. Out of this nowhere. is literally the def this is a textbook definition of Deus Deus Ex Machina. How do you say Deus, it? Deus Deus Ex Machina. Thank you. You can't say that when you've had a lot of wine. She just shows up when it's convenient. To to fix everything. To bring she has been him back from the dead. She imbues the power of the magical beings, even though she's a demigod, back into the staff, which brings him back to life. He died in Billy's form, and he comes back as Zachary Levi. Let's just let that sink in for a second, which I think is kind of weird. It's symbolic. It meant the death of Asher Angel in this franchise. No, he's fine. He's going to rebound. That kid's got a career. Zachary Levi? Maybe not. We'll see. 
Um, this is just this is bad because is bad. like I agree with you. I don't like the monsters roaming the city or anything like that. But I love a good noble sacrifice. I love all the scenes that they're setting up where they're like. Maybe Billy's destiny is to reunite his family one last time, which he does before he goes to fight Calypso. But then it costs him everything. It's sad, but it's really, really well put together. But instead, they're just like, nah, let's get fucking Wonder Woman in here because we've had Henry Cavill in Black Adam. We've had Diana in Fury of the Gods and we'll get Ben Affleck in The Flash. And then all three of them will have come back one more time and the Snyder fans can be happy. But I'm sure that they were overjoyed, right, Zach? Oh, I'm sure everyone was super happy. No, the reaction to this is is pretty negative. N- no one seems to be happy that this is how this happened. Because it's shoved in out of nowhere. It's, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. It's literally like one of the most egregious cameos I've ever seen. And I love Wonder Woman. I think, you know, we've talked at links on this pod and others. I like that first movie a lot. I like Gal Gadot's casting as Wonder Woman. I think she's good in BVS. I think, you know, for the little part that she's in it, she has moments in the Snyder vs. Justice League movie, not so much the Justice one. Wonder Woman 84 is a mess, but she's still really charismatic and charming. And in this, I saw her, and this is the first time I've seen her in something, and I was mad. And that's a bad sign. Bad sign. It's a really bad sign. Because if she doesn't come back, this is the last time we've seen her, unless she's in The Flash, which I think she might be. I think this was reshot last year. Mm. This whole last scene is on a green screen with the family standing around. And I noted, maybe I need to go back and rewatch it, but I'm, that's not going to fucking happen ever. Um, <laughs> Unless we play the uh, Fury of the Drinking Game. God. Drink every time I want to die. Uh, <laughs> Zachary Levi sounds older and sounds yeah. like like he's been like – it sounds like he smoked or something, or it sounds like he just like hit a bong because he's like, hey, everybody, I'm back or whatever. He sounds like he sounds all gravelly. Yeah. And then in the post credit scene, which I really want to talk to you about, they shove in hardcore and die beard. Yeah. And that's a gun thing. That's definitely a gun thing. So are we getting is Shazam coming back? Did they reshoot that scene at the end because in the original cut they did kill Shazam because they didn't know what was going to happen with the DCEU? But now Gunn wants the possibility of like maybe having Shazam down the road. I don't know. And then it was also like a chance to be like, okay, well, Wonder Woman can come in and we can show her again just like you said to like maybe appease some people. I think this I think this could have easily been reshot last year, tacked on to the end of the movie and then shoved right out the door. That's my theory. I don't know. This just know. doesn't feel like a natural conclusion. You know what I mean? No, the next three sequences do not feel like natural conclusions to this story, which is, again, something that we're just going to have to deal with. I fucking pray to anything that is fully in my life that The Flash doesn't have like egregious cameos like this because I will genuinely be upset because the word on the street is that like that movie is actually really good. Like lots of people have seen it. They've said that it's so good that that's literally why they couldn't can it, even though they probably wanted to after the Ezra Miller stuff. People that have seen it were like, you have to put this out there. Like people are going to fucking lose their minds over this movie. And we've seen the trailer. It looks pretty cool. I don't want to hype it up too much. Yeah, I hope it's not hyperbole, man. I really, really hope it's not because like right Tom now, Cruise the only saw it. Just... he says it's great. 
I, I mean, saw that. Where the fuck magic. is? But he's a Universal guy, isn't he? Isn't Tom Cruise a Universal guy? What's he doing on the Warner Brothers back lot? No, he works mostly for Paramount, which is kind of like a for hire studio and production company. I That's mean, weird. When I saw that headline, I was like, why the fuck is Tom Cruise watching? That? I think he saw it because of Henry Cavill, because him and Henry Cavill were buddies after That's Mission Impossible. So I think he saw it through that. And listen, man, a fucking homeboy Maverick saved movies last year. Fucking Steven Spielberg said it himself. And if if Maverick <laughs> thinks The Flash is good, I'm sure it's OK at minimum, which is better than what we could say about this. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Billy's back to life. No, we can look. Well, you can look that up. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I just want. Yeah, if, go ahead and finish it out. I just want to see if he gave a quote. You're good. Um, so Billy's back to life. He gets the staff after Diana leaves. She says, "Stick to heroing, kid." He asked her out and everything. It's it was really awkward. Billy uses the staff to um, imbue everybody back with their powers, including uh, Anthea and the wizard, so they all get their powers back. They all have the all-hands-on-deck dinner sequence at the end, very much like a Fast and the Furious movie, which Chris Morgan loves writing these dinner sequences. They're all sitting down to enjoy a meal. Who's at the door? I thought another cameo was going to happen. I was about to lose my mind. But instead, it's our fucking homeboy, Jimon Huntsu, looking Cleaned like his, pimp, his pimpin' best. He walks in. Awesome. And this, <laughs> this is actually the thing that I laughed at the most. I was like, this is delightful. He takes his staff back. And he's like, I'm going to go off on a journey. I'm finally free. He's kind of like the genie almost. You know what I mean? Where he's like, 5,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. Um, and as he's leaving, Billy asks, what is my superhero name? And he says, your name is Shazam. Shazam. And everyone's like, And then, ah. then Freddie goes, I think we could do better. And it cuts to black. And uh, I agree with Freddy. I think Captain Marvel's a good <laughs> And I agree with Freddy. But that's besides the point. Tom Cruise did not give a quote. Sources told The Hollywood Reporter that Cruise has seen the movie and loved it so much he called the movie's director, Andy Muschietti, to rave about it. So that could Imagine, be – Wait, how do you think that phone call went? Like Andy Muschietti's doing like post-production, right? He's working on The Flash. He thought he was calling his postmates or something. Phone number <laughs> comes up. It says – Scientology, California, USA. He goes, not again. Sends it to voicemail. He sees a voicemail notification, answers it, and he goes, hey, Andy, it's me, Tom. You know, Tomcat. <laughs> He's like, I got to tell you, man, that Flash movie is wild. Oh, man. Were you guys using real planes in that thing? Can I fly the Batwing? Hit me up. And he leaves his phone number. That's how I think it went. Yeah. You're probably not far off. Anyway, uh, finishing up this movie, two post credits things. Which I couldn't believe I stayed for. And I was I was the only person in the theater. And I've never <laughs> felt more alone <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I'm just sitting there like watching the fucking <laughs> words go up. And I'm like, am I really sitting through the post credits of Shazam? And I Googled, because I always do at this point, Shazam, how many after credit scenes are in Shazam? Yeah. And yeah, Google pops up. There are two post-credit scenes in Shazam. I was like, oh, fucking Christ. Hopefully it's like one right five minutes after the credits start and then one like ten minutes after. But I felt like I was sitting in those credits for like half an hour. Yeah. It was brutal. Well, the first one is uh, uh, the homies from Peacemaker. Yeah. Harcourt and Economos played by uh, Jennifer Holland, James Gunn's lovely wife, and our homie Steve Agee. Die beard. 
they're walking down a road in the middle of Atlanta because that's where all these movies are filmed. Yep. And they find a local gas station that's run down where fucking Shazam is just shooting stuff with lightning. And they ask if they could recruit him on behalf of Amanda Waller to join the Justice Society of America. They initially say, would you like to join the justice? To which he replies, yes, before Justice they can League, finish yes. their sentence and says, I'm so excited to join the Justice League and work with Wonder Woman and Superman. And they're like, no, 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 we're asking you to join the Justice Society. And then that scene's over. That feels well, no. New. He's like, he's like, Justice Society. He's like, what? He's like, that seems like a little weird. He's like, he's like, maybe you should change it to another thing. He's like, look, you can Google this. You can find a bunch of different synonyms for justice. And he's like, the blah, blah, blah League and the Avenger League. Ooh, I like that. And yeah. then it cuts. And I was like, sure. Terrible. Um, so anyway, so they recruit him to join the Justice Society. Let's talk about this now before we talk about the next post-credit. Yeah. You tell These me what char- this means. Has he ever been part of the Justice Society? He is. Does this get your dick hard or how are you feeling? Him and Black Adam were both on the Justice Society for a time, and that is some of the best comic book writing I've seen because they hate each other, but they both have to be on the same team with like Hawkman and all the homies. And uh, including Dr. Fate, RIP. And um, <laughs> do I see Shazam being in the Waller TV show? No. I don't think they're going to do it. However, they released this scene, right? Let's, let's play out a hypothetical here, Zachary. James Gunn takes over a couple months ago. This movie has not been released in theaters. If he didn't want Shazam to be in any form of the Justice Society, they could have pulled this post-credit scene and done something else, right? So then maybe he is going to be in the Justice Society, which means whenever they bring that team in from Black Adam, sans Black Adam because they don't want The Rock to come back, and he declined the request at the end of the post-credit stinger and said they sent Superman in to fucking whoop his ass. Maybe he's there. But they're gonna have to they're gonna have to explain it in the flash because why would Zach Levi be on the Justice Society, but not like a Henry Cavill appearance or a Black Adam? I don't know. Ooh. That being said, I don't think it matters. <laughs> I don't think any of that matters. I I hate to say it, but I don't think that. Of the two post-credit stingers, though, this one has more implications than the other because Peacemaker is legitimately a James Gunn property that he has said will be returning in the DCU, of which these two characters, I'm sure as fucking hell, are going to be in because one of them is his goddamn wife and the other is like one of his best friends. So they're definitely coming back. It's whether they include Zach Levi in it. And like who else was alive at the end of Black Adam? Hawkman and the fucking Cyclone Lady. And Adam Smasher, right? But oh Doctor Fate what a, died. What a crew! What a what a Mary Tantus <laughs> fucking heroes there. You know what? I was watching this movie, and halfway through, I was like, "Man, would this be better if Hawkman was in it?" I think it would be. <laughs> Anywho, second post credit scene. At the end of the credits, uh, this literally blew my mind that this was a thing. You could have left this one at home, kids. Doctor Savannah, played by Mark Strong, a villain that I really enjoyed in the first movie. Still in prison, still scribbling on the walls two years later. Mr. Mind the Caterpillar shows up again, still in prison. And Dr. Savannah says what we're all thinking. Where the hell have you been? Why is this taking so long? I'm still in prison. And he says, patience, it takes a while to get a plan going. And that's it. 
<laughs> no, and then he's like, but I got to go do some other things or whatever. And then he scurries out and then he pieces out. <laughs> and I thought this was fucking hilarious. I thought this was totally David F. Sandberg, like seeing the writing on the walls and being like, Fuck we're it. never yeah. going to get back to this. So why not? Why not cast my buddy Mark Strong in this bit post-credit scene and have – because no way we're going to get to Mr. Mind. That's never going to happen. But no. Mr. Mind and the Monster Society of Secret uh, Villains is never going to happen. But um, I like seeing Mark Strong again. I really enjoy Dr. Savannah. I think he's a cool villain. Sure. Oh, well. That's Shazam, guys. We made it. We made it. We made it. Um, holy cow. Thank you so much, John, for uh, – regaling us with that plot did it feel like you were back in the saddle it's been a minute yeah again i i enjoy i used to how do i want to say this the first couple of episodes of the dc eu and review i felt like i was funnier because i could write a script because i could watch the movie at home and prepare things i felt like my bvs pod where i regaled the plot of that might have been the funniest i've ever been in my life <laughs> i think the, BV, the bvs pod if you haven't gone back and listened to our how long is that episode? It's like four, four hours, hours long. Yeah. <laughs> you should go back and listen to that podcast and maybe split it up in a couple chunks, but man, is it funny. Yeah. That is the funniest because I was able to, I've seen that movie like at least eight times by this, by the point we did that. I feel like when I've seen something more, I can make more inside jokes to minuscule things. Whereas like, this is more of like broad stroke stuff, but I still enjoy talking about these movies with you. So thanks for bearing with me as I try to piece together my memory. I think you did a great job. Thank I think you. you did a great job. Well, I might start expensing the accounts to see things a second time so I could go back and take my iPad, take notes. That's fine. Yeah, if you want to expense Shazam and go take notes on it, by all means. <laughs> yeah, go have fun. Go have fun. Although, okay, so one last question before we get to your three questions because I know we're running long. I got to get to bed. Yeah, no worries. Would this movie – would you have enjoyed this movie better not seeing it in the theater, maybe just catching it on HBO Max in like a few months? No, I I, I genuinely enjoyed my theater experience quite a bit. If anything, if I saw this at home, I think I'd hate it even more. Okay. Yeah. What about you? You want to see it at home? I think I would have been less miserable. Um, <laughs> if you would have saw it with us though, you would have had more. I would have had more fun. That's the problem yeah. is that like, yeah, seeing movies with other people generally makes the experience better. That's what we um, talked about with Star Wars on our last pod. It's just like watching The Mandalorian by myself is not a good time compared to like watching a Star Wars movie in theaters, even if it's Solo or Rise of Skywalker. So Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I do think that this, you know, Maybe it would maybe it'll gain a, a little bit of a more of a following when it's on HBO Max in a few months, but I just I kind of doubt it. I think the movie might just be rotten. I think it might just be not very not very compelling. Mm -hmm. So but okay, three questions. Hit me with them, Jay. Sorry, hold on. I forgot what they are. It's been so long and they're not in my document. Favorite scene. Yeah, hold on. I I can do this. Zach. What's your favorite scene in the movie? <laughs> I think. Oh. For how much time we had to talk about this, I think I should have had more time to think about this. Um, really dropping the ball here. I'll give it to I'll give it to the moment between Billy and uh, his mom before he goes off to fight the dragon lady. I thought that was I thought that was an emotionally well done scene. Um didn't quite hit the highs of the first one anywhere close to the stratosphere of that, but I think that 
I think that that was like the closest we got to the first movie. Um, that's probably it. None of the action in this movie I really enjoyed. Like, I don't know. That's probably it. I liked I liked his him and him and the foster mom. I thought was was cool. What about you? That's a good pick. Um, Wonder Woman showing up at the end is absolutely your favorite scene, right? No. No, no, that was my least favorite scene. <laughs> my least favorite scene for sure. I think my favorite scene might actually be the Shazam family in the library and exploring the magical realms of the Rock of Eternity, just because that got my my geek senses tingling of being like, oh, sure, doing the... <laughs> yeah, I know that. So yeah, that might be my favorite scene, but in terms of like actually like a resonant scene. Um, maybe I think the, okay, I'm going to amend the question. If you don't mind, I think the most interesting scene is the Diedrich Bader walking off the roof. That is like the biggest risk I've seen a DC movie take in a long time, (laughs) whether it's for the best or not. Probably not. But I think it's interesting to see. But yeah, my favorite's definitely them exploring the library. But okay. I do, I do want to shout out that scene as being like crazy that that got approved. Yeah, it's crazy I'll, that that yeah. got approved. But then you see Wonder Woman show up at the end. You're like, oh, they were just approving everything. Okay, cool. <laughs> Again, one day maybe this will come out. But I, I think that that scene was tacked on. It has to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait. I can't wait for that documentary, Zach. I think you and I are going to be making it. So it's going to be you, me, and fucking Keaton just like making a documentary. <laughs> Imagine if we went full Ken Burns. No, Affleck. Affleck. We'd have to interview him. He can't make the documentary. That might be a little biased. No, it wouldn't be because he wouldn't hold back. Fair. It's okay. He's taking it back. Okay. Who won the movie for you, Zach? Uh, I'm going to say Rachel Ziegler won the movie because on the Shazam red carpet, they asked her uh, what she thought about the movie and what her favorite thing was about being it. And her quote was, I needed a job. I'm being so serious, end quote. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> quote, the reality is we're in the middle of a pandemic and I was not working and I couldn't get a job for the life of me because West Side Story hadn't come out yet. She tells The Hollywood Reporter, quote, it was really hard to book work for me, end quote. So that's my winner. Good for you, Rachel Ziegler. You got a paycheck. That's a great. That's a great pick. Uh, Isn't I'm that with... a wild quote? Yeah. But I like that she's honest. That makes me respect her more. I that's wish more. Sure. I wish more people were like her and Harrison Ford, where they're just like, "I'm doing this for the money." Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like <laughs> that Blade Runner interview. Where she's like, Harrison, they asked you to come back. What'd you say? How much? He's like, show me the money. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, what a crazy old man. Love that yeah, guy. That, that, that interview is great. Should we talk to Ryan? Yeah, go ahead. Talk to him. <laughs> Blade Runner 249. Better than you remember. All right. Um, it's my like one, one of the, the best movies. sci-fi movies of the last 20 years. 2049? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Top five. Easily. Maybe top three. Yeah, all uh, two of mine are Denis. Put that in your back pocket in case we run out of ideas. All of them are Denis Villeneuve, Arrival, Dune, and fucking Blade Runner. (laughs) Dune would make my top five, but Arrival and and Blade Runner probably would. 
Yeah, Arrival and Blade Runner are a little more nuanced from him, I think. Dune has some cool shit in it, though, for sure. I want to rewatch it. That's on my rewatch list. Like that sweet, 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 sweet Rebecca Ferguson. Use the voice on me, mommy. Um, the <laughs> the winner of my of the movie for me is definitely going to be Jack Dylan Grazer again. I think okay. he's great. That's a think, real answer. I think that's a slam dunk casting. When they got him for the first one, that was right after it had come out, but he wasn't like the main character of the first it necessarily. It was more. Finn he Wolfhard. was like the side boy. Yeah, he was he was he was probably like the fifth lead in, in terms of all the little kids. But then like he's really good in that. And then he's in the first Shazam movie and it just fucking skyrockets. It's great. I think he's fantastic. Really funny. Good actor. I'd like to see him do some stuff besides this. I think it'd be cool. For sure. For right. For sure. Ratings and rankings, Zach. Um, I was okay. looking at our rankings. I forgot that we put Black Adam above Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> that's the I right answer. I think it is the right answer, but uh, that Black Adam pod, whoosh, what a time. Okay. So the DCEU in review rankings as it stands so far by Zach and John, the Radiovania masters. Number 12, Suicide Squad. Number 11, The Justice League. Number 10, Wonder Woman 84. Number nine, Black Adam. Number eight, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Number seven, Aquaman. Number six, Birds of Prey. Number five, Zack Snyder's Justice League. We put that pretty high, too. Number four, Man of Steel. Number three, Wonder Woman. Number two, Shazam. And number one, The Suicide Squad. I don't know about you, but I think this might be the easiest one so far. Okay. For me to rank. Okay. I think this goes smack dab right between Black Adam and BVS. Oh, this is the new number um, nine. The new number nine. I think Black Adam is is a bad movie with bad moments and stuff that that really frustrates me. I think at least Shazam has likable performances and stuff, and it's less bleak and dour and fucking looks like dog poopy. Like at least this movie has some colorful stuff. I don't know. I, I I don't think it's I don't think it's any I don't think it's any better than Batman v Superman. I think it's either it's below Batman v Superman. I can't think of a reason to put it anywhere higher than any. Yeah, Batman v Superman is kind of we've talked about this before, but it's kind of the barometer. It's like is this movie better than Batman v Superman? And I'm actually I agree with you, but I want to bring up a secondary thing. Are we sure Zack Snyder's Justice League is better than BVS? Yeah, we put that pretty high. Um, I think we were a little high on it because it was new. I don't know if I like any version of the Justice League more than BBS. <laughs> I, listen, I get it. Jesse Eisenberg's bad, but fucking Steppenwolf's worse. Like, way worse. <laughs> but in Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's it's a better Steppenwolf, and it, and it has Darkseid, who's cool. Mother. That scene is great. Correct. It has better Flash stuff. I like the Wonder Woman stuff on Themyscira. But BVS has better Batman and Superman stuff. Well, it doesn't have better Superman stuff. It has better Batman stuff, though, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The Batman stuff I, in BVS is the best part of that movie, but everything else about the movie just... I have okay. more fun making fun of that movie than I do actually just watching it. I'm just saying, every time I watch it, I'm like, I kind of like this. I like... It's it's become Spider-Man 3 for me at this point. Like, Oh, I think, sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's our campy thing. 
But okay, well then I, I'm fine what with if, leaving it higher so, than BVS. But I don't know if I don't know if it's better than Birds of Prey. I think we might have fucked up there. Well, what if? So here's a thought. What if we do a like a in review in review at oh, the end shit. of it all? Like when we you get, get to, to make one end. more pitch for Man of Steel to be higher than Wonder Woman. Well, we I think we could vote on it, and I, like we would have to do like a. Vote we got to bring in Cal. Bringing has he seen the other half of these movies? I'm he's sure seen he's seen all these couple. movies. Except really? For, he has not seen Black Adam and Fury of the Gods, but that doesn't really matter. He saw the okay. other ones. Okay. Yeah, we could bring in Cal, have him help with the vote. But I think he hates we, the Suicide Squad, though. He's going to try to get us to move that. That's not going to happen. He's going to be outvoted every time. That's oh, the best 100%. one. Oh, 100%. You, you and me, baby. You and me. Hey, look at us. Who'd have thought? <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I know. I think what we should do is once it's all said and done, we close the book, like you said, after either The Flash or Aquaman, whatever we close the book on, then we do the retrospective where it's like, okay, what would we change? What's our revised list? So How is for this the, sad? For the retrospective pod, we should do a revised list. You, me, and Cal should make personal lists. Yes. And we should also do a character draft from the DCEU specifically. I'm into it. I'm into it. Man. Because who's I the like num- the idea. Who's the number one overall pick in the DCU? Is it Zod or is it Batfleck? Zod? What the fuck is that <laughs> even? Where? What is that? No, it no, is. It's probably Henry Cavill. Yeah. Or Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah, one of those. Do you bleed? You yeah. will. But no, we should, I, people have to pick a bad sidekick in the draft. Like you have to pick one that sucks. I think these are all great ideas. Yeah. All great ideas. But I like the idea of like we've kept this list the way that it is. We voted on it based on our hearts when we saw these movies. Then at the end of it, we can do – okay, we have the list of how the pod went over the last year or two when we were doing this show, and then we'll have the revised list. You know what I mean? I think you should only get two or three nominations though for revisions to make. I don't think we should go line by line and review it. Yeah, it's fine. I think you should propose to the group – you know. I not that this would happen. I think Suicide Squad is better than blah blah blah, right? And then it's like people vote on it. You make your pitch, people vote on it, and then it either stays or it actually does move up to that spot. And then it's very fluid until the end. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I think that we can definitely workshop it. I'm, I'm I like the idea, and that'll be quite the hell of a way to close this book and move into the gun verse. The gun verse. So what, what what do you think? I mean, we're talking about semantics of the end of oh, the pod. Yeah, what do we think yeah. about the ranking? Between Black Adam and BVS, for sure. You don't want to make an argument. I, I thought maybe – you sounded a little bit surprised when I said better than Black Adam. Were you going to put this below that? No, Black Adam sucks, dog. I, no way. Okay. <laughs> this is much – I would rather watch this than Black Adam, 10, 10 out of 10. I like the casting in, in Shazam, Fury of the Gods, more than – I don't think they casted that movie very well. Besides, as we've stated – Pierce Brosnan as fucking Dr. Fate. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The jam. <laughs> Fury of the Gods. <laughs> Shazam Fury of the Gods slots in at your new number nine, dethroning Black Adam. I'm just saying, though, I think I'd rather watch Wonder Woman 84 than both of these oh, movies. No, because no. one of them has our daddy, Pedro Pascal. <sighs> You know I'm right. But we'll save that for the retrospective pod. I can't wait to make my pitch for 101 in 84. 
I can't wait. We'll do one that's a mathematical list too, where it's like the averages of all. It's like the Oscars. It'll be like yeah. what mathematically ends up being like based on our individual. That's list. why we should write the individual ones first privately. Yeah. Calculate it. Do the weird voting thing and be like, what does the computer say versus what does our impassioned speeches say? Yeah. Be good. Okay. Well, that does it. I think that that's it. Unless we had anything oh, else we got to cover, that's the end of the pod. Next thing will be uh, the Flash, which comes out in June, mid June of this year. So it'll be a couple months before we see another DCEU movie. But you know what? I like having some time to breathe in yeah, between it's nice. these movies. It's kind of refreshing, right? It's, it's a it's a little DCEU refractory period. Every now and then, you just need a little bit of time to let it drop down. So, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening and watching and hanging out with us. We appreciate you very much. As always, Radiovania.com, at Radiovania on Twitter, RadioVaniaShow at gmail.com, and catch up on our other pods. I'm at Zacratello. He's at Najathan Parker. And holy shit, if you are able to pull out a Shazam Fury of the God quote from this that isn't the one that I think you're going to say, I will be very impressed. But if you can't, then just say the one. It's, I mean, it has to be Taste the Rainbow, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody.